So, the next six months are at once somewhat monotonous, but also never exactly boring. There's always something to be doing for each of you. Grant, you of course have to get your magic back, and that takes time and it goes longer and longer and longer every time. You do make some progress, however, you do feel yourself become notably stronger just a few weeks into the next three month span. And in between those sessions, there's there's always something to do. It's a bit of a mixed bag emotionally when you realize that the summer court is starting to stabilize because you know what that means. Yeah. No more people are coming in, and it's been so long that the people who have come here have gotten settled. But that does mean that the mood of summer is restored eventually in time. It comes out of everybody is keeping the energy up in order to keep everybody moving to it's time to resume our normal way of life. There's the addition of all of the human refugees and fey returners. The returners just integrate straight back into society. Of course, nobody who was ever from winter has come back to summer, but you do get some spring and fall returners coming to live here. The humans, though, they don't integrate quite so well, but that seems to be deliberate. You don't need to ask Tarira why it is that she set up a human quarter, or why she seems to have posted extra sentries, not watching the quarter, but watching the horizon. Okay. And with the return of the party mood comes the return of the parties. Things get wild and loud and raucous again as before. And I mean, how do you react to that? Do you just keep your distance from that whole affair or do you let yourself drown in it? Uh, something in between. I'll join in occasionally, but uh, not always. All right. And, uh, that trip into the Deep Wilds was not the only one that you go on. You're never strong-armed exactly, but you wake up from a lot of juicing sessions, more often than not actually after a certain point in a bed with like a cold towel laid over your forehead. And when you emerge from the little room that you're in, one or both of the prince and princess are waiting out there for you. And as again, you're not strong armed, but if you want to go out, you're invited every time. 
and you know what? Every t- like, like um, Quenzo said, if I'm gonna be here for forever functionally, uh, might as well make friends with them. So every time they invite me, I go. Except for like one time where it was just like really rough, and all I wanted to do was sleep. That's fair. And by every time, I don't mean that they invite you every time they go. There's a number of instances where you see the two of them sneaking off together, and you know where they're going. Yeah. You are not invited that time, but... Right. You know, every time you pass out from a session and get woken up, you wind up getting invited out several times in between. Okay, yeah. It isn't always the same... sort of trip out. You do always go out into the deep wilds and you do always get to witness the two of them being their natural selves. Now that Summer is back in full swing, Dweer is back to being full-time the Prince of Summer. So he is aping the mood now as naturally as he always has. But when they're out there in the wilds. They are their authentic selves, and you know, a lot of the time you go back out to the river and hunt for more orichalcum, but sometimes you go out and hunt strange birds to eat. Sometimes the three of you just go out and get drunk on some kind of weird fey cherry wine. The fey cherry wine's good shit. I had it before. Uh, Amalia brought it over a couple times, and it was always good. Yeah. <laughs> You're uh, cracking bottles of that open out there. Uh, I want to ask, there's one particular trip out there where Dweer propositions you for sex. How do you react? I tell him I'm flattered, but no thank you. It's, it's a me thing. Uh, I, I can't really, I don't, I can't really get into it unless I romantically love someone. And, uh, eh, nope, sorry. He doesn't seem offended or even particularly disappointed. Weirdly enough, Quenso's the one who seems disappointed at your <laughs> refusal. <laughs> but... After you're asked the first time, you are never asked again. Alright. He is respecting my boundaries, which, good. That is a good thing. Is there any particular thing that you get up to during these three months? You know, something minor but meaningful you want to call attention to? Uh, How about this? I spot some weird fey bird that neither of them have ever seen before like none of us have seen before it's just a weird a weird new bird (laughs) that would have been something you spotted on one of the rare occasions that you stayed in the wilds overnight the uh the two of them were concentrating exerting their presence on the space around you to keep all of the nighttime predators out so they weren't 
paying too much attention to the non-threatening wildlife, which is why you were the one who spotted it. And then there's a small panic as Dweer has to pick up all of the slack because Quenso just goes bounding off to catch the damn thing. <laughs> is, is, is Quenso a dog? I don't she's mean excitable. that like a It's like are they are something something. No, she's not a dog, but she is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Look, she's excitable. She has very little restraint when she's allowed to be herself, and also she is a fucking biomancer, so a completely new species. It's like I want to put that in a box and study that. <laughs> and I'm going to say, Grant, that the degree to which your magic returns depends on the degree to which you are willing to just commit yourself to being here and doing that. I want to get it to up to at least plus two, because that's when we agreed that I will become the initiate again question is how much time do I want to dedicate to making it plus three? I'm gonna say you can't get it up to plus three. That would require more time than you have unless you wanted to delay going back in time pretty significantly. Nah. Nah. So uh, I'll I'll dedicate as much as I can to... The trick is, Grant, is... Mm. Getting it up to plus two means that that's basically all you're doing. Over the course of the next three months, you'll have maybe five days when you're not here either getting juiced or recovering from getting juiced. I mean... And if you're fine with that, that's fine. It just means, you know... You don't get to see Amalia quite so much. You don't get to see your parents, if that's a thing you ever wanted to do. I mean, Grant is working towards saving the world, and it wouldn't be the first time he put that in front of his own happiness. So, uh, see, the time he became the Void. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna have to do that. Okay. Alright. So, like the day before you all jump back is the day you would get back up to not the best you've ever been, but you definitely feel like you could get in a fight with your magic and probably win. Alright. The rest will come back eventually without needing uh, sessions, I'm guessing. Because when I started the game, I was only plus two and I went up to plus three with level stuff. So, like, eventually that'll come back. I don't need her for that. But uh, it's good to know that I'm a wizard again. Hooray. Hooray. That does mean, of course, that you lose any mundane moves that you had picked up. Right. And uh, for the sake of the listeners, the, the two mundane moves that I picked that I didn't use were a panic button, which is basically when I want to... Uh, escape, I roll plus sharp, and depending on how well I roll, I just straight up escape or um, 
makes something harder for me. And then trust me, uh, which is when you tell a normal person the truth in order to protect them from danger, uh, they basically either follow what you say, no questions asked uh, on a seven to nine. There's a list that you can choose from. And on a miss, they just think that you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were the two that I never got to use. Didn't come up. It's not like there's a lot of normal people to be convincing of things nowadays. Yeah, like, I, the only reason I chose that is because the other ones didn't seem like things I would take in character. Okay. <sighs> Roxanne, the days progress very similarly with you. You spend a lot of time with Agnes working on getting this virus figured out. You spend weeks of time practicing first on her and then on the other witches of the coven and then on the ghosts of the ravens on identifying other selves and you get good at it. You put in the time, and it just... It isn't exactly second nature, especially when you have to do it with people you either haven't ever met, or who you've only spent maybe a few hours with, but it never takes you, like, more than a few minutes at this point. And this is in like, no-pressure situations. Mm. It's, you know, it, it it's a little bit difficult to tell how you would fare in a dangerous situation, whether the adrenaline would make you sharper and faster, or if it would muddy your mind and make it more difficult to latch on to the details like you have been to identify people. But one way or another, you generally feel pretty good about it. And outside of that, out of the three of you, you're really the most sort of nebulous. So you could be spending time in the Feywilds, though I'm not sure who exactly you would be socializing with, considering you're completely avoiding one of the courts that is stable and don't really have any contacts besides your brother in the other. Hey, I go and make sure that, like, uh, Alyssa's doing alright. She's definitely doing considerably better now that, you know, she's had time to acclimate you know, you can tell that she is very much avoiding thinking about the state of affairs. Right. And is just trying to acclimate to Summer being her new home. Yeah. But she's, she's acclimating well. She takes to the party environment of the newly stabilized Summer quite well. She makes a lot of friends in the human quarter. Well, they have something in common at the very least. Yep. And she's always happy to see you. 
I want to say that, like, Roxanne isn't completely avoiding her parents. It's just a very much, like, I check in on them, but only when I'm sure that they won't see me. Because I'm, <laughs> even if I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily change what I did. I still feel very guilty about what I did. I, how is that not avoiding them? Uh, it's a different kind of avoidance is what I'm getting at. That's hiding. That's literally hiding. Yeah, but I don't not go to the winter court. Like, every time you enter the winter court, the middle of your solid sneaking, like, alert music starts playing. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's a little bit difficult to say exactly how they're doing. There's definitely an element of, like, principled spite that keeps them from settling in. But... Also, you know, nobody ever tells you that they are looking for a way to go back. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, okay. And then you've got some other people you can be hanging out with. All the dead people I know. In one side of the Deadlands, there's, you know, a whole bunch of dead people. All the ghosts of the ravens. Everybody in the coven, all of the sultans. You know, the the sultans are in a bit of a weird state right now because a lot of them want to go out and fight the worm, like, on principle. But a majority of them want to be here in case you three need them for something. Right. Now that makes sense. Also, like, even if things are as bad as they could be, theoretically, they could still get worse. <laughs> I don't like that laugh. There is infinite space for things to go bad. Uh, speaking of the coven, I know I said before that, you know, you are working with Agnes like full time to get good at it when you get to the point of where you are able to just identify unfamiliar other selves with only a few minutes time you start moving on to uh, like chain rot Agnes makes it clear that you're never going to synthesize the spell here in practice and it's just a thing you're going to have to figure out on the spot but You know, she has Grant, like, fetch fruits and vegetables from the Feywilds to, like, bring here. And you practice making one of them rot in a way that triggers rot in ones that are close to it. I want to ask, how do you feel about moving away from using death magic as like a sort of weird backwards healing source and into offensive applications Mm, I have mixed feelings about it on one hand it's you know incredibly dangerous magic that in theory I shouldn't know but it's not like I'm 
going out here exploring the depths of Dr. Death Magic and what it can do to people and using it on random people or doing unscrupulous experiments. I'm trying to save the world and it's just a tool like any other. All right. It's just a tool you have to be like safe with. It's 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 like people who study infectious diseases, I want to say. That's a pretty fair comparison, yeah. I think it fits better than magical nuclear weapons. <laughs> so are you just okay with using it, or is it a thing where you, like, you cast it with it a few times, then you're like, okay, I'm done for today. It's like a requires a different kind of, like, mood kind of thing. It's not like a, you know, like, when Roxanne's practicing self-magic, she might, like, slip in a joke or two, or, you know, there might be time for jokes, but whenever death magic is involved, it's very, like, serious, I need to concentrate. And it's like that until she decides to put it up for the day. Got it, got it. Well, anytime that you feel like recovering, there's always somebody there who wants to spend time with you. Especially the coven, now that they're able to settle down and sort of get used to sedentary unlife. They are very glad to, you know, they all love each other. It's been fucking like three centuries or so that they've all been together as a unit. And you don't spend that kind of time with somebody without either hating their fucking guts or loving the world of them. Hmm. But they are glad to have other people to socialize with on the regular. So they integrate themselves in with all of the ravens. They th There's some, like, tentative integration with, like, really, it's just Margaret and occasionally Ursula who go and talk to the sultans. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. But they all do definitely make time to spend with you. Uh... Especially Gwendolyn. I'm going to say that even you, Roxanne, are not so oblivious that you cannot see what is happening here. <laughs> uh, yeah. But she doesn't ever, like, push anything or say anything because, you know, there comes a point where, you know, Agnes gets brought in on the plan, and of course she's going to tell all of the most important people to her, and it's like... Well, if all of this shit is gonna just get undone anyways, it's probably best to not get something started. <laughs> Don't get too attached. Yeah. Cause it'll be weird for you if something does get started and then you go back and it's completely one-sided. Right. Yeah, no. That's... <laughs> I feel the same way about that. <laughs> and then, of course, there's Elysium. Uh, how much time do you spend there? Um, I don't know, a decent bit. Like, I'm trying not to interrupt the fucking eggheads or whatever. But I feel like... <laughs> look, 
Roxanne has a healthy amount of curiosity, but uh, she's smart enough to know that time magic is probably a little bit above her pay grade. Right on, right on. You can definitely go there to hang out with all of the first generation angels. Yeah. At the very least. Everybody always wants to see you. Everybody always wants to spend time with you. Even if it's not like doing an activity, if it's just sitting in the same space and vibing, they're always happy for it. Yeah, that's totally fair. Also, I imagine just like on a super rare occasion, I might get like asked to go get something from somewhere. Mostly more paper, yeah. <laughs> There's probably also a lot less angels now to do things. Yes. Although there's more than there was at the start of all of this, because all of the ones that Notcher had dispatched to Earth to try and mitigate things wind up coming back. Right. I do want to say that your presence in Elysium, and specifically your proximity to the eggheads, you do stay out of their way, but I'm certain your curiosity drives you into the cathedral a few times. Oh, well, definitely. There definitely comes a point around, like, the three-and-a-half-month mark where there is never less than six Nalkovias in the room at the same time. That sounds absolutely unbearable. Oh my god! <laughs> they are constantly testing shit on each other and looping back and bouncing theories back and forth just to accelerate the process. This is the rubber duck technique taken to its most extreme. I mean, if you got time travel, use fucking time travel or about time travel. Yeah, that's what's happening. Also, I don't know what the rubber duck technique is, Chloe. The rubber duck method is what it's called. It's, um, it's a software engineering thing where you, uh, basically you take a rubber duck and you explain your code to the rubber duck. And that's sort of to help, help you understand what's not working about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically the idea of explaining something to somebody and then having that eureka moment of like, oh, that's why it's not working. Except you just use a rubber duck. Got it, got it, got it. There are a couple of occasions when... All of you individually wind up getting roped into something. Roxanne, on one of the days when you slip in to watch all of this happen, there's a few minutes where just... Grant isn't the cathedral? How did he get there? And he's being escorted by a Naukovia. And he hands something to you. He says very little. Every time it looks like he's going to say something, now Kovia, like, hits him in the back of the head or says something sharply into his ear about not breaking continuity. You're just handed a small wooden box. 
then the two of them vanish. And then another Nalkovia comes and takes the box from you. And then there's like all of the Nalkovias that are still in the room come together and it's just like nonstop high-speed conversation. Is this a fucking Schrodinger thing? Well, the box is opened and it's like empty. Okay. What the fuck? (laughs) And Grant somewhere close to the like five and a half month mark you are just like picked up by an angel from Elysium brought to the cathedral handed off to a Nalkovia and are like given very explicit instructions do this do this we're gonna do this don't say this don't say that actually just don't say anything that'll (laughs) ensure continuity the best (laughs) and then you are jumped back in time and you hand off a box whose contents you are completely unaware of to a past version of your sister and then you are jumped back into the present day and now Kovia doesn't even say thank you you are just shuffled back to the summer court okay it's it's like well that happened (laughs) i was definitely just part of some kind of experiment that I was told zero parameters on (laughs) and I don't know if it was successful or a failure (laughs) but it's done now, I guess it's not even the weirdest thing that's happened to me in my life okay (laughs) so Roxanne amidst all of this socializing and spellcrafting is there any like something small but significant that you do or that happens to you? That's a good question. I don't know how it happens. And I also don't remember his name. But just randomly one day when Roxanne is in the summer court, she sees her old boss from the record store. (laughs) <laughs> Alright. I don't think we ever named this NPC. I, don't I think named him, ever... but I don't remember. Okay. So it doesn't matter. Is he in the fucking Rando's handout? Definitely not. No, I don't think he, he came up was. twice. <laughs> so I guess... I guess tell me then, why is he here? How did he get here? Is he Has he been a secret wizard all along? No, um... It turns out he was out of town for, like, an expo or, uh, like, a convention when everything went down. I mean, actually, I guess it was around Christmas, so he's probably visiting family. And just, like, in the fucking chaos... It turned out, like, a close relative of his was a wizard and evacuated him and his whole family to summer. All right. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, that's just what happened. You know, like, Roxanne strikes up a conversation with him. There's this whole, like, (laughs) how the hell did you get here? How the hell did I get here? How the hell did you get here? (laughs) 
Turns out I'm a fucking angel or some shit. Is that why you missed so many days at work? <laughs> yes. Except for that one time, uh, I like back in September, I was just standing in line for like a release. <laughs> the only time I've legitimately skipped work. Illegitimately skipped work. Whatever. Alright. It's just like Roxanne runs into somebody that she used to know in California. Somehow. Yeah. It's not like you were friends or anything, so you're not gonna hang out, but small miracles. Strange coincidences. The arc of time is ever bizarre. Right? So, Steiner, again, likewise. The days and weeks and months go by with, uh, you know, you have things you can be doing, people you can be seeing. Working more with Emery to get used to your body is, I assume, a like major fixture of the next few months. Wanting to get the integration down so that you're not having any major glitches when you actually do make the jump back. Yeah. Yeah. Learn how to move. Yeah. There's a number of occasions when Notcher just offers to put you back in the tank and go to work on you. Like, integrating you from the back end rather than from the front end like you're doing it. Do you ever take them up? Um, how much time? I would ask how much time it would actually take to do that. Uh, the They could have you in for as long as you would like to be in. The more time you give them, the better results they'll have. It's up to you. So what what do you mean exactly by better results? Because like what would this attain that just learning how to move on my own would not give me? It's approaching the problem from a different angle. The solving it from the back end would like eliminate the glitches at their source whereas solving it from the front end with just training would teach you how to work with them and also make them less frequent but not to the same degree hmm ah so my official answer will be this. But all the same, um, I think I'd rather just... I think I'd rather stay out here and not be locked in a tank for the remainder of the six months. Um, I... But there are things I'd like to get done, and... I... Failing all of that, I would just like to be able to talk to people. So I will... 
say thank you, but no thank you. Notcher takes no offense and wishes you well. So, what I'm going to say, mechanically, Steiner, is that the results of all of your training is that you do get better integrated into your body. It's not perfect, but you feel pretty assured that you're not going to have any major problems when it matters the most. Which mechanically is going to mean that I'm going to put it up to you. Presently, you are rolling at a minus one for either or for both. Defend someone and act under pressure. You can eliminate the minus one on one of those, but not both. Up to you. I get a flat plus one on protect someone anyway because of guardian. So I would rather eliminate the penalty to act under pressure. Okay. And then, of course, besides training, that's not the only thing you're about. Alex is here and is glad to spend time with his old boss and buddy. You know, to the extent that you can, there's not a whole hell of a lot to do in the Deadlands besides just hang out with people and talk and let the properties of the place scrape your memories away. Yeah. But beyond him, there's also the Winter Court. When you're not training and not talking to Alex, you have basically fuck all to do besides hang out in the laboratory, spend time with your son, and work. You can be a scientist for a few months. Another large part of the reason why I didn't want to go in the tank for time. Yeah, I just between bouncing around the courts, the available courts, and talking to people, I just mostly just kind of try to exist as much as I can enjoying myself for what I what I can do and just you know, spend time with people because I don't know I have n- no idea like how the whole time thing works. I don't know if we're going to like still exist after this or will we get re- copied over I mean that's a thing but mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep going like this is going to be the normal Okay So, Steiner Why don't you also tell me about something small, but very significant that happens to you during this span? How about this? One day, I ask Roxanne to take take me with her when she goes to visit the coven. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't talk to them a lot, but I felt like we had decent relationship. Yeah. Spend an amount of time. There's no like visible passage of time in the Deadlands, but you can spend time catching up with them. Ursula asks how your son is doing. Margaret laments that the two of you can't share a drink. Hmm. is doing quite well, actually. He's Holding up as best as can be expected, given 
clear. Finley actually, now that I consider it, under the fairly same circumstances, being shunted into a different body, or, well, into a body in itself for him, and forced into a new location, but uh, we're both just kind of taking it in stride, so. Uh, and I, I, I do also lament that I can't have a drink with you. I do miss, I mean, that's one thing I do miss, so <laughs> things you don't really think about. I imagine this isn't, um, like this is a whole new thing for us, but this is more or less just business as usual for all of you, I think. Uh, you're just getting more visitors, I can imagine. Just like I had said with Roxanne, they are all happy to have more people to socialize with, to, you know, now that they are not under threat from the Sultan, since shit doesn't exactly matter anymore, they uh, can relax, become sedentary, and expand their social circles here in the afterlife. <laughs> as strange of a thing as that is. I think, actually, the whole impactful thing is, like, so this was a net benefit for them, despite, you know, the horrific circumstances of it. And one thing I want to put on the list of things to try to fix when we go back is maybe try to negotiate with the Sultan so that the Coven aren't constantly under threat. <laughs> I laugh because I remember a thing Chloe said that she wanted to do in the denouement. I haven't forgotten, Chloe. Neither have I. I'm literally thinking about it right now. <laughs> Maybe the two of you can work together. But it isn't just the sort of day-to-day -day passage of time as all events trickle into each other. There's definitely things that stand out to each of you, some things of rather great significance. Grant. Yes. What's yours? So... With one of the five days that I'm awake and not feeling miserable and out in the actual wilds of the Feywilds, uh, I kind of hunt down Ashley's ghost in the Deadlands and go, do you know where your dad is? Because I need to talk to both of you. Well, I haven't seen him, so if he's here in the capital, he's hiding somewhere. But for all I know, he might have wound up somewhere else. Okay. Alright. Let's see if this process that I'm going undergoing with the Queen is doing anything. I'm going to try and use magic to find him to uh i'm gonna use ashley's ghost as a catalyst 
to try and observe another place or time, and that other pl- another place is wherever the ghost of Zachary Arias is. Hmm. And I was given a person-finding spell for one particular mission, so we could hopefully use that in conjunction with that. That was more of a tracking spell once oh. you already had your target, but... Oh. I mean, if you could put that spell on his ghost, it would tell you where you need to go. Right. So? The issue is, of course, that this is a highly unconventional application, so either you're going to need some help from someone of comparable power and talent, or you're going to have a rough time with things. You say that, (laughs) And I have my apprentice right here. Like, Grant is willing to admit, yeah, okay, she's going to be better at this than I am eventually when when I'm done teaching her everything that she needs to know. So, I have the help. Uh, You know, that's fair. (laughs) You can apply yourself to twisting this spell and she will pick up any slack that you wind up leaving. Okay. That's that I think that's a pretty fair way to get around that problem. So, Grant Harrison, go ahead and roll use magic. Uh here's Here's a question. Uh-huh. Do the runes in my arm still work, or did those burn out when, uh, when... 10,000% that shit doesn't work anymore. Fair enough. 14 still! <laughs> <laughs> I rolled you snake eyes, or box cars, I rolled box cars. You could just roll box cars, though. <laughs> Magic's back again, baby. It's good. Awoo, wolf howl. wolf howl. <laughs> Werewolf Hal. Werewolf Hal. And you know what? I'm going to say that the advanced use magic isn't something you ever technically lost access to, because what you what you lost in this was just like the physical structure in your body, or maybe metaphysical, because you can't actually like reach out and grab it, but the structure in your body that allows you to cast was the thing you lost. All of the knowledge was still up in your head. Okay. So I'm willing to allow that you had just still hung out on to your ability to have advanced successes, which means I'm not going to require a second roll from you to apply the tracking spell. Alright. Here's the issue, though. Is the tracking spell has a range of about a hundred miles. And you know that you successfully applied it. And you get a hit for like like a tenth of a second and then you stop getting a hit and you can tell from the feedback of the spell it's because he's way out of range alright I get a hit for like a second though so um so you know what direction he's in he's just more than a hundred miles away alright (sighs) 
Froxanne met him once, right? <laughs> he, he was there during the... That's... Uh, Angel Wings requires you to know somebody, not to have met somebody. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh... I look at Ashley and say, well, the good news is I know which direction he's in. The bad news is he's more than 100 miles away. Okay. So we arranged for transport. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Let's go ask the sultans and see what they can do for us. Or what they're willing to do for us, rather. I'm sure they can do anything. Works for me. Alright. So I'll go try and get an audience with the sultans. Yeah. They are all here all the time. Now that uh, the rifts don't need to be guarded anymore. And also now that like they are trusting that the three of you are going to go back and fix all this. It's not like they need to spend a lot of time out there fixing psychopomps and guarding the gaps, making sure all of the towns scattered around the Deadlands are free of monster harassment. Right. So you've got access to all nine of them. Uh, so I ask, I'll go, uh, Sultans, thank you for listening uh, to me. I need to find a soul, and it is more than a hundred miles away, and we need to... We need transport to its location. There is... some kind of private joke that passes between some of them, and then they make it unprivate when... Catherine, like, leans in towards you. What is it with you, Harrisons, and asking us for long journeys across our lands? Hey, hold on. Interruption. (laughs) I want to say, they technically asked me to go. (laughs) Okay, but Grant doesn't know that. (laughs) Uh, Grant will go, we're kind of annoying that way. Hmm. Just like as a, just like as a joke. Well, the question is then, how comfortable of a ride do you want? We have horses, we have tigers, we have elephants. Um, I would prefer whatever could get us there fastest. Comfort is... Comfort is secondary, but uh, I'd, I'd prefer speed over comfort. Arthur steps up then. Horses it is then. This way. Alright, I'll follow Arthur. Leads you back into the kennels, which are also stables. Makes and sense. There's a couple of Apes. horses back there. Cables. I love that X Man. <laughs> And, well, he said horses, but these are obviously, like, Deadlands monsters that he has forced into servitude. They are nightmare horses. 
Arthur gets into a brief argument with one of them. <laughs> I I look at them and I go and I just sort of nonchalantly say to Ashley uh, as Arthur is getting into an argument with a horse going, one of them's missing a jaw. I... Okay, I'm not surprised. I'm not put off. I've seen worse. Yeah, no, it's... it's... This is my life now. This is my afterlife. This is the only afterlife I've ever had. Uh, hopefully we will be able to fix that. So eventually, Arthur wins his argument with a horse. Okay. And he asks the two of you if you will be fine on your own, or if you want him along as an escort. Ashley is impartial. Uh... If you ever get the chance to hang out with King Arthur and you say no, fuck you. Yeah, no, like, that's that's the dilemma Grant is going. He wants to say yes be- just because he wants to hang out with King Arthur, but also he doesn't want to put King Arthur off. So, you know what? Just this once. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> just this once, Grant will be selfish. <laughs> Just to clarify, this specific King Arthur, I'm sure historical King Arthur, if he actually existed, was probably a jackass. Yeah, probably. Well, this specific King Arthur absolutely doesn't mind. He tells you that he's been feeling restless in the palace. You know, he can't go fight the worm. There's no reason for him to go out and fight other things. Everything's basically stabilized. It just fucking sucks, and there's nothing for him to do, so he's glad for something to do. Okay. Yeah, it's been real dead around here lately. Fuck off! Fuck off! (laughs) Hey, hey, Chloe? Hey, Chloe? Yes? Fuck off. I mean, I can't complain. I was gonna make, like, some some of the joke, like, these old bones are getting restless, but... (sighs) So... You had joked that, you know, on one of the days that I get to not be either powering up or recovering from power up, I'll go do this. No, this basically eats all your free time. Yeah. It's like... Okay, let me ask, actually. Does Grant own a watch? No, and his phone is probably dead by now. Well, good news, it'll be here. (laughs) so you can't exactly tell how long it's been when you finally get to the ghost town where Arius's ghost is but it definitely feels like that was a couple of days ride you're very hungry by the time you get here you are probably going to have to, like, figure out how to set up a teleport directly back to summer so you can get food and water. But once you get within 100 miles of the town, your tracking spell does, like, ping back on. So you know you're heading the right way and definitely getting closer. Mm-hmm. 
And then it's just a long, hard, boring ride into what is essentially just a smaller version of the capital without the palace. You are greeted first by the local psychopomp, which is this... How do I put this? It's not the same one that you encountered that went rogue. It's more... Well, it's less humanoid, for one thing. It's kind of like... God, how do I even describe this? Okay, so my brain keeps telling me to, to lead with the phrase human centipede. Okay. It's like... It's like kind of a human torso, but then there's just like, at the end of it, at the bottom of the torso, there's just another human torso, and then another human torso, and then another human torso. It, it forms a kind of like very large it's there also all of these torsos are like four or five times the size of a regular human torso so these are like giant it, it, it's a giant centipede okay and it crawls up to the three of you out from around the buildings it moves very fast and distressingly quietly for how big it is it's just you're, you're looking at the buildings, like maybe trying to find Zachary Arius early, and then all of a sudden in your peripheral vision, there's just this like really dark red giant human centipede. This is the weirdest thing Grant has seen in his life. <laughs> it does have a head. The head has no features. But it is definitely, like, pointing the front of its face directly at the three of you, so it can definitely see you. Hi. It doesn't say anything. It doesn't, like, wave at you. It, it doesn't react at all. Arthur just kind of makes a, a shooing motion, and it turns around in, like, a long centipede's arc, and goes around the back of the town and it like lowers down and it somehow despite its size just gets completely out of your sight I look directly at Arthur and goes they seem friendly I do not know what Catherine was thinking with that one yeah I don't either <laughs> Ashley is just kind of grinding her teeth and popping her knuckles Okay, well, let's go find your dad. Yeah, let's do anything but think about that more. <laughs> so, right. the tracking spell leads you directly to Zachary Arius's ghost. He is perched up on top of the tallest building in this little town, and... Well, you're not exactly sure how he managed to set it up, but basically he has a sniper's nest, but without the gun. I look at Ashley and I go, what is he doing? He never really left Vietnam. Okay, that's extremely depressing. Uh... 
he's probably playing second guard. Alright. Not sure what he could be contributing with that fucking thing. Playing first guard, but... I don't know. He's he is taking charge. He is being himself in this situation. Okay. Well, uh, <clears throat> Zachary Arius, I I need your opinion on some things. Can you like come down here, please? And Zachary will look at him, shrug throw down some sort of like ladder that he's constructed and like walk down it and um when he sees Ashley the first thing he does is like his his face was like kind of neutral at first and then it goes through a range of emotions before settling on melancholy probably and he goes Ashley Dad. And at that point, Grant opens his mouth to start saying something, and he goes, young man, just give me a moment. And he walks over, and he just hugs Ashley as tight as he can. Yeah. Ghosts are able to touch each other just fine. Yep. So, he hugs her, she hugs him back. And... He goes, I had hoped you'd managed to get away, like, I, I'm hoping that there's at least some way you got out, but... <sighs> no, I was dead before the tunnel collapsed. Okay. Alright, young man, what did you need to talk to us about? Okay, I need to talk to you, both of you specifically because the Ravens have a plan to fix the end of the world and we've come up with some solid ideas on how to solve some stuff. But we never really got any outside sources uh, outside opinions. So, here's what's going on. Grant will just explain everything to Zachary and then end it with, so is there anything that you can think of that would help us? And basically with no hesitation, Zachary Arias will answer, tell me earlier. Okay, see, so you say that. But that's the perspective you have now, knowing everything. Ashley Arias, I have been director of the DHEA since 1992. I have seen things and I've done things that will never ever see the light of day, even on my second chance. I can be patient and I can keep a secret especially if it comes from someone who I trust to tell me to sit down and wait. Namely you. <sighs> now, do you trust this group, not knowing what you're going to know now, enough to tell me 
that waiting would be the best option. The five that I had met. I would trust them. Then I would trust your judgment. As much as I don't like you being employed by the DHEA, you are a good agent with a good head on your shoulders. I would listen to you. If you told me to wait, then I would wait and I would be able to train my men that I send with you to better expect what they're going to find down there. Five minutes is an unacceptable amount of time to be told the world is about to end, go fix it. A few months, I could probably do something better. (laughs) Ashley turns to you, Grant. That means, Grant, that you have to bring me in sooner. I mean, that would have, that would be up to Emery, because Emery was the one who made that call. I wanted to let you know, basically, the minute I was going to tell the other people that I told, Emery told me to wait. Okay, well then you'll need to work it out with Emery how to convince them to bring me in immediately. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, we can let you know earlier, Mr. Arius. Um, what else? If you know what its abilities are, tell us earlier. I will be able to send better specialized people in there. Do you have a plan for dealing with that large group of angels you told me about? And Frank goes, my sister's working on something to hopefully that we will never fight them at all and we just have to concentrate on the one uh, on the one target and Zachary goes alright so take away the explosives and the flamethrower yeah uh, Riley and Johnson weren't were hardly useful at all and especially if we're getting rid of the first wave we don't need them uh, so definitely replace him probably with a sniper and some sort of hand-to-hand combatant. Um, I would I would say no to the sniper unless we could figure out a way to negate the teleportation altogether. Because if we can't do that, then we have one completely isolated agent who Adel could just pop over to whoever it would be and lop their head off and come back and we would have no ability to support them because they'd be too far off. That's his next project then. And Grant just like, okay, that's my next project. <sighs> okay, but we need to have we need to have two options there. If if you can't tell us that the teleportation is completely turned off, we need someone besides a sniper. All right, yeah, um, Arius will go. When it comes closer to it, I will consider what we do and do not have and send an appropriate agent. We'll start, we'll also start training them earlier just to hopefully even out the odds a little bit. Right, we're going to want, you're taking notes on all of this, Grant, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely taking more notes. We're definitely going to need more training on reaction times. 
because even without teleporting, he's very fast. And then Zachary kind of like scratches at his chin for a little while and closes his eyes and thinks and he goes, if you're getting rid of the first wave, then it would not make any sense to send all of the ravens down at once either. Send down half, have them fight until they get tired or are too wounded to continue. Go back up, tag someone else in, keep it rotating, keep them healing, keep them, keep them fresh. Yeah, that's good because there's a very finite range that Adel can chase them. Grant, uh, okay, Grant, I know we're shutting down Adel's teleportation. I've seen you teleport things at least once. I've seen you teleport a whole car going full tilt down a mountain. Uh, okay, wizard teleportation is unless you're literally Merlin really hard because you have to do all sorts of calculations and such. But, okay, but, but what about just teleporting somebody like a thousand feet straight up and that's it. I, and it's from it the work. same spot every time we just, we lay down a point in the cavern where just you go here and you get shunt it up to the surface and then you can tag somebody in I'm just trying to think because if, if we do try and rotate people out the second one of us shows our back to Adel they'll capitalize on that yeah I was actually working on or starting to work on something similar just with a much greater distance um That'd be an interesting proof of concept. So, yeah, we can set something like that up, I guess. All right. Arius thinks he's like, aside from telling me early and the other things we discussed, I can't think of anything else at the moment that would be beneficial in changing. Do you want to come with us back to the capital? Because we're going to be doing more planning there. Yes, I would. Alright. That way, if you think of anything else, we don't have to ride another two days to get the message. He nods and, uh, he looks at... He finally realizes, uh, who you're with and he goes, Who's the knight? Ah, King Arthur of Britannia, at your service. I'm not even going to pretend that's weird anymore. He, uh, he holds out his hand to, uh, shake Arthur's. Arthur will absolutely shake his hand. Zachary Arias, director of the DHEA. I've only ever heard bad things about your organization. <laughs> we do what we have to do to keep a certain amount of people safe. I will not pretend that it is all good. Hmm. Something to correct the next time around, perhaps. Perhaps. Well, we have a long ride back. Grant, are you going to be okay making that ride? Yeah, yep, yeah, I'll just have to take a long nap afterwards. Ashley just kind of frowns at you. You sure you're not going to just die of starvation on the way back? 
or thirst? Is there a way to get me back to the summer court now? I mean, how do people normally get into the Deadlands? They die. <laughs> how do how do you people normally get into the Deadlands? Does anybody have any chalk? If you are seeking a writing instrument, I can carve things into the stone. Is there a way that you can carve a... I mean, I was just going to draw... No, okay. Um, I need a teleportation circle to the summer court, and uh, Grant will, like, draw what it looks like in the in the dirt. All right. Arthur follows along behind your finger with his sword. Okay. And then... Grant will nod to the Ariases and to Arthur and go, thank you all. Uh, it's been a pleasure. See you back at the capital. And uh, Arius will just simply nod in return and Grant will step through. And uh, Zachary looks at Ashley and goes, how annoying of a wizard is he? Oh, he's maybe the most obnoxious person I've ever met. They usually are. And then he will get on a horse. (laughs) So, Roxanne. I'm sure just like Grant, there's some other big significant thing that you get up to. Yeah, um, so, you know, what with the fate of humanity being in the balance and everything, mm-hmm. I figure I should work on the other, like, big project that is kind of uh, Roxanne's idea, which is to uh, get all that magical energy that Adel releases captured so that we can use it to switch the kings of the spring and fall courts. Okay. And Roxanne, that's not really Roxanne's real house, so she's going to go uh, basically looking for people to talk to about it. And the first thing that pop person that pops into her head, weirdly enough, is like Princess Quinzo, just because like of the Fey royalties, she's the only one Roxanne like feels slightly comfortable talking to casually. <laughs> Alright. Like our Roxanne doesn't really know, and uh, uh well, the less said about Tweer, the better. <laughs> and none of you have ever met Darn. <sighs> no. <laughs> Lady not appearing in this picture. Yeah. So, uh, Roxanne gets herself to the summer court. Alright. So, again, the summer court has reached a kind of uh, uneasy stasis. The party mood has returned. The, like, 
refugee medical center setup thing has been dissolved and a human quarter has been erected. Right. And the the party, capital T, capital P, has resumed. Do you allow yourself to be swept up in it? Uh, I really want to, but I've got business. Business. I've got right. work to do. You can ask around about Quenso and... I make sure to call her the Princess of Fall, not, uh, wait, is that right? No, Spring? Spring. 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 The spring. Princess of Spring. All right. Rather than, hey, have you seen Quinso? <laughs> <laughs> y'all, y'all seen Quinso somewhere? Yeah, see her? Oh. She around? Anybody know where that bitch at? <laughs> she is somewhere in the palace. And you have to go hunting for a bit. You have to keep asking around. You ultimately wind up outside of a locked door. <sighs> I knock. Politely. Like a person. All right. I, I do fucking shave in a haircut. <laughs> Neither of the Fey Royals in the room know about that bit so the knock is not returned as Dweer opens the door and just kind of looks at you impassively oh um sorry I was looking for Princess Quinzo alright she's in here come in oh okay you wind up in this small kind of stuffy looking room there's a bed that your brother is just laid the fuck out on that's where he's been and Quenso is like sitting on what what is very much like a bar stool her back up against the wall and she's like playing with the tips of her fingers he's spending a lot of time in here like in this room in particular should I like look around does this look specific kind of room or is just a room with a bed in it as if it has some kind of utility besides being a small kind of stuffy room with a bed in it you cannot immediately divine it I just say well you know everyone's got a room for people who get laid the fuck out I assume by this point Roxanne has been told about this and is not like yeah. actually worried about Grant's health. I, I imagine Grant would have done her the courtesy of done you the courtesy of telling you hey, uh, there's going to be just like days at a time where I'm completely inaccessible. It's it's fine. It's normal. It's all part of the process. No, Grant never told. Yes, of course he told her this. Uncharacteristically the Harrisons do not share anything with each other. <laughs> so you're looking for me? Ah, uh, yes. So... <sighs> uh... Suddenly lost for words. No, um... I have that effect on people. 
That's true. Uh, Flips her hair dismissively. <laughs> no, um... So... I forget, do the uh, lesser royals know about the whole thing with the two kings being, like, uh, in the wrong courts? Is that a thing I have any, like, inkling of? So, you were there when Grant brought it up to Tarira. And when that happened, she told Dweer to get the fuck out. Okay. So, apologies, I can't really say exactly what I'm talking about in front of you, Prince Dweer. Um, I'm pretty sure I can tell you facing back to Quinso, but like, I think this is kind of a private matter. It's about the thing that I we, the Ravens all spoke to your father about. She was there for that, right? Like, she was nearby at least? No, she removed herself. Oh, right. Okay. She got, she intentionally got herself out of earshot because you all made it sound like it was something that couldn't be discussed in front of her and she didn't want to, like, be an impediment to that conversation. Sure. Um, you seemed like the best. I, I, not sure how much I can, like, share, but you being, uh, academically minded seemed like the best person to ask for help finding information about what I have to do. Sure. So rather than trying to talk around why you need it, I'll just believe that it's a thing that is fine for you to have and you just tell me what you need. I need to find some sort of method of creating a vessel to store an absurd amount of magical energy. An astronomical amount of magical energy. And we'll store it for a period of time to later be used on something incredibly uh, important. <sighs> okay. Exceptionally high volume mana storage. Um. So, if you're coming to spring for that, the answer is going to be we would need to build some kind of creature tailor-made for that purpose. Okay. I originally had the idea of, like, a tulpa because those were, like, created out of magic already. And I figured that would make it more like simple, but the process of creating one is completely alien to me. And I don't think it would be really anything I could get working on right now with most of the population of the earth dead. There's a kind of complicated look that flashes over her face, but all she says to that is, 
Well, I couldn't help you with that. That's... That's not the business of my court. Sure. Sure, sure. I was just uh, sharing my uh, thought process. I mean, if it involves creating a creature tailor-made for storing magical energy, then so be it. It's important enough that I don't need to get it done. All right, let me think here. How would we even do that? Uh, let's see here. Oh, I wonder if we could repurpose the Plague Eater. I remember that. No, I'm joking. And she assumes a pose that is very reminiscent of the King of Spring when he goes into logic and reason contemplation mode, which in turn is very reminiscent of when Adel paces around and talks to himself. She's got like the pad of her thumb pressed up to her lips and her eye, her head's like tilted up to the ceiling and her eyes are rolled up even higher. She's just kind of muttering and, you know, not exactly rocking back and forth, but she's got like a little bit of some sort of physical movement as she's saying, I could just re. We would need to repurpose it from the ground up. Yes, but that wouldn't be too hard to do. The issue would be volume. Depending on how much it is, we could just breed a lot of them. But... There's the issue of time. Is this something that you want to make now and then take back with you? Or are you going to bring me the project on your next go-around? Um... Actually, no. I'll answer that question right now. It is not safe to work in the guild hall right now. You're right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we both know you're right. I can get some more mint from Queen Terira, but that would just be for me to be able to go in and retrieve some materials, some documentation. This is not the kind of thing I could make here and now. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, whichever way you think is best, I'm kind of deferring to, an, to your expertise on this matter. Right. So under what circumstances are you going to be deploying whatever this is? Um pretty fraught circumstances uh, in the middle of a battle or basically right at the end of a battle. Okay. <laughs> so we'll probably need to fuss with its behavioral patterns. 
so we have this creature uh, it's a plague eater something we made to contain leaks of gaseous biohazards that seems pretty straightforward yeah it it's about yay big she mimes like something the size of a toaster oven it has a long snout and it sucks in plague any sort of hazardous disease and digests it but the we made it cute we made it friendly and funny to look at we made it wobble around and burble at people we'll need to strip all of that out if you're deploying it into battle (laughs) okay okay fair Now, is this going to be the kind of thing where you can... Are are you... Is is this battle going to be under the sort of circumstances where you have to deploy it at the start, or will you be able to leave, pick it up, and come back? (sighs) As long as it doesn't take too much time, I think I could manage to leave and come back. Okay. So if that's the case, then we can skimp on defensive capabilities. If it's never actually going to see battle, then we don't need to make it tough, which opens up more room for how its energies are distributed. Do you, do you have a... Is there any way you can quantify how much mana we're talking about here? Like, if you can't tell me units, that's fine. But... Right, I don't really know the mutant of measurement for mana anyway. <sighs> okay. Let's just say that it would probably be comparable. No, no, it would be more than the amount of magic that was expended to forge the courts as they stand. Her eyebrows shoot up into her hair and she has just this like look of absolute disbelief on her face. I mean, Actually, I spent. I suppose it would be actually like a little bit less than that, but it would be building towards that total. One hand creeps up into her hair. Okay. You are going to have to get this project to me early. I don't. Can we even make something like that? would we even store that much energy? Would... I mean, I realize that I'm asking you and this is you, and like, 
biomancy, I guess, is your area of expertise, but would some kind of multidisciplinary approach work? She looks at Dweer over your shoulder. Well, I don't think wild magic has any applications for storage. Gonna do that. You would either have to... She kind of frowns and tilts her head. Pull in winter or fall. It... does concern... fall. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if I'm a if I'm going to be able to pull that off, but, uh, and I don't know your feelings on, I've never met the princess of fall, actually. Like if that's going to be an issue, um, you probably actually, no, I don't know. Darn is pleasant. She has a very plastic look on her face as she says this. Okay, so winter then is what you're telling me. I try I try to make like an apologetic face over my shoulder at Tweer. See, he just kind of looks he's not even looking at you. He's got like one hand up at his chin, like thumb on the underside, and nothing thinking man's pose. I can't help but think that fall would be better of the two, though. Roxanne just, like, fishes a coin out of her hammer space and just goes, Heads fall, tails winter. I got heads, actually. I just flipped a coin in real life, and I did get heads. (laughs) Fall it is. The both of them have complicated looks on their faces. You get the feeling they would have had the same looks if winter had come up. If neither option is ideal, then... (sighs) Bringing in someone that it concerns would probably be for the best. I'm probably going to have to talk to the King of Fall and the King of Spring, aren't I, about this? Okay. It's fine. So, how important is this? Well, um, I would say it is probably incredibly important to both of the kings. And it's important to me, because if I fail this, I've promised to allow the extinction of the human race to continue unabated, which is not ideal for me. The two of them share a look. And they both breathe in. (sighs) 
in unison. Dwyer turns around and faces the wall, and Quenso folds her arms and looks up at the ceiling. <sighs> Fine. something going on here. I don't know what it is. Let's go get Fall involved. I apologize? We have contracts to fulfill even if the world is burning down. <sighs> well, um, alright then. I assume you're coming with me then? I... I, I could go by myself. Would you like to stay here? We would, but our collective presence will expedite things. Sure, okay. I hold out both my hands and I just say, I can just take us to... Well, yeah, I can just take us there right now. Unless you'd rather I come back a different day, do you need to prepare? No. There, there is no good day for this, so let's just do it now. He'll keep, and she kind of makes like a dismissive wave at Grant. I would hope so. Be pretty concerned if my brother didn't keep. So yeah, both hands out. They take them. I take us to... Uh, I'm not going to teleport us straight into the palace just because... Uh, I kind of have two Fate Royals with me, and I feel like that would, like, set off some alarms or something. So, like, it's a just-outside-the-palace kind of thing. Alright. Yeah. Not the entrance square. Give us as little time to walk to be accosted by trees. The uh, the state of fall has only gotten worse. In in the few moments that it takes you to cross the threshold into the palace, you can observe that things have only advanced from where you saw them previously. Um, <laughs> I just tell them to watch out for wildly sprouting vegetation. Probably don't need my help, but it's safe to be. It's fair warning. <laughs> they both look a bit exasperated. And three of you can hurry yourselves inside. Where exactly are you going? Are you like heading to the throne room? Are you heading down into the workshop? Are you letting them lead the way? What are you doing? Um, I'm letting them lead the way. I feel like they know where the best place to go here is, because I've never met, I don't even know if I've seen the princess before. I don't know if we need to uh, go to the throne room, mostly because I don't want to deal with the, the king again. <laughs> Valid. If we have to go to the throne room, I will. I just hope that, uh, what's his name? Damerol? Damerol. Thank you. I can never remember his name when I need to use it. Just hope that Damerol is actually there this time. Well, you don't have to head through the throne room. It's Dweer that winds up taking the front of the line once it's clear that you expect one of them to lead the way. And 
he skirts you through a series of chambers that like circumnavigate the throne room also simultaneously making your way further back and deeper and you wind up in kind of like a, a big stately hallway with only a couple of doors in it and outside one of them that is just like highly ornate it is set into the wooden walls of this hallway in a weird way it probably moves funny when it opens you all just pull up outside of it and dwear darn we have a project we need your assistance with and there's some shuffling inside and the door opens. She's an elven woman, you know, approximately the same age as the other two lesser royals that you're with. Her skin is a slightly lighter shade than Dweer's is, but also darker than Quenso's by just a little bit. Still has the same, like, long flowing hair whose color you can't quite pin down. And she holds herself back straight in the same way that Quenso does when she's, like, in public in front of people. Not the kind of relaxed half-slouch that Dweer always seems to have. And she looks at Dweer, and there's a kind of conflicted smile, and she sees you, and there's no reaction besides a little bit of curiosity, and then she sees Quenso, and her face wrinkles up. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Well, it had to happen. Dearest Cousin Dweer, I am not certain I understand what you are doing here. And he just kind of like puts his hands in his pockets and leans in a bit. Tells her, you know everything's already burning down. This is part of fixing it. I'd like to ask you personally to just do your best to put up with it. And she sniffs at him and has a brief staring contest with Quenso. Very well then. What do you need? And Quenso steps up. The project is mana storage. High volume. We're talking reordering the rules of the court kind of high volume. It's apparently instrumental in reordering the world. I think I can do about half of it. Yes, that would be the best that you could manage, wouldn't it? I'm struggling not to roll my eyes. 
someone, so, somewhere Grant is just making masturbatory motions and he does not know why. He's asleep, even. <laughs> what do you mean, somewhere? He's <laughs> on a bed. <laughs> True. Quenza just, like, sucks in a bunch of air through her teeth. I'm going to let that one go for the sake of fixing this problem. I think it would be good if we brought in the material properties expertise of your court to augment the creatures that we will be creating to store this energy. And darn like assumes this really performative thinky pose, like point her finger on the cheek, tilt of the head, other hand on her hip, looking up the ceiling. Yes, that is a thing we are typically quite good at. I suppose I could divert. And she takes her hands off and makes a kind of like pointy... I don't even know how to describe this motion that I'm doing with my right hand. I've got all my fingers splayed and I've got my wrist bent at 90 degrees. Palm facing the floor. Yeah, I can see, I, I'm doing it right now. I know what you're trying to get at. I suppose we could use some of our materials, give you access to some of our treatises on the subject. That sort of storage would definitely require a great deal of materials, and the kinds of knowledge of how they work that only we could provide. And you can hear, like, Quenso's teeth grinding, and then Dwyer, like, looks between the two of them. I, can I just say right now that I'm debating asking if I can just, like, roll read a bad situation to see if I could actually bother telling them both off? Well, no, just one of them, honestly. <laughs> yeah, one of them is being a problem here. <laughs> you can absolutely roll that if you want. Uh, I'm gonna roll a different situation just to see if, like... Okay, not even if telling her off would be a good idea, or, but rather just, like, insert myself in here so that, like, it becomes less of a darn is being a bitch thing to Quinso and more, I am here as a raven, please talk to me. <laughs> Yeah, All right. Breathing a bad situation. I'm rolling sharp. Uh, I can't wait to roll a fucking two. I rolled an 11. You could just roll an 11. I could do it. Uh, so, like, uh, I'm reading a bad situation. I forget if we have, like, the optional rule for that, or you could just, like, ask one question. That uh, was, uh... I would have to pop the book open... Like, can I just use all three of my holds to just ask that question specifically? Can you phrase the question in a more, like, condensed way? Sure. Uh, 
Here, I'll even just say, what's the best way to protect the victims? In this case, would it be productive if I just insert myself into this conversation? You know, being one of the last two, presumably, uh, presumably the, one of the last two uh, living ravens and kind of like, I don't know, I'm holding that fucking contract on my shoulders. I did look it up, by the way. That only applies to investigate a mystery. Bummer. Yeah. But you know what? I'll allow it. I'll allow you to spend all three holds on asking that one thing. So I'm going to be real here. If you insert yourself into the middle of this, it's probably just going to turn into darn passive-aggressively being a bitch to Quinso through you. You are just going to become, like, a weird medium for it. Okay. So I should just keep my mouth shut. It, uh... It winds up becoming the a little bit irrelevant because Dwyer just looks... He hits the end of his fuse and... He's, he stands in between the two of them, reaches out, like spreads his arms like he's going to put his hands on their shoulders, but instead goes and just smacks the two of them in the back of the head. Oh, man. <laughs> Roll to stifle laugh, but I, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I even thought it's just the one. Quenzo, all of the, like seething antagonism just drains out of her quickly. Darn looks a very powerful cross-section of confused and offended. And he turns to her. It is not the time for this. We are still under contract. We are here for her. Pointing at you, Roxanne. I do a little wave. We are, as we are obligated to, aiding the human realm. So, put it away. Very well, I suppose I have been unduly antagonistic. Of course, certain things cannot be broken. Dearest Cousin Quenso, you will need to stay up here. We cannot allow one of the High Royals of Spring down into the workshop. Quenso just throws up one arm, waves dismissively. Sure, fine, so long as we get the materials and the books we need. It's not like I'm going to remember any of this anyways. And Darn tilts her head, because this is the first she's hearing of everything, and Dweer says... All of this is being undone via the timepiece. Oh. Well then, yes. I suppose I can put all of it away. This way, all of you. She'll... escort all of you down into... the workshop. Quenso does have to stay up top. And shoot her like a very apologetic look on while we're walking away. She shrugs, puts her hands into pockets that don't exist, and kicks a rock that also doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. 
and to the three of you head down you pass into some kind of highly secured archive and darn just grabs a bunch of scrolls off the wall and she is doing it like lightning quick she isn't bothering to read any labels very obviously has this whole place memorized hands you all of the scrolls then you leave the archive room and you head into some kind of like huge storage room picks up large volumes of a variety of different stones and metals and crystals foists all of them onto Dweer <laughs> and then just without even talking to anybody who works down here or anything you are all just escorted directly back out are, are Morton and Qualia still down there? yep <laughs> I just I like the idea that I see them on my way out and I just wave yeah, they both wave back, but they both look confused. Like, is it the Prince of Summer? Why is Roxanne with the princess and the Prince of Summer? Why is the prince being made to carry things? <laughs> Just like low whisper while we're walking. Like, do you want me to carry any of that? No, I feel like you would fall over yourself if you were made to carry any more. Shrug make your way up the wide stairs out of the workshop and darn with completely clean hands dusts them off well that should get you started if you require anything else i will still be here and quenso like throws a hand out dismissively you're not going to miss any of it anyways we're just making the blueprints I do make sure to at least say thank you for your help, uh, princess. Not even princess darn, just princess. You're very welcome. <laughs> what if I throw in a snide? It's such a shame we never got to meet under any other circumstances. <laughs> you would have to roll to conceal your sarcasm. Mmm. No, no, I will put humanity above my own desire to be small yet a princess. <laughs> Too bad. And three of you can make your way out of the palace. You even need to leave the palace? Can I just not leave no, from there? Right, you can teleport. They'll put their hand... Well... Quenso will be the circuit bridger here, touching you and Dweer. Right. And the three of you can bit back to the the room where Grant is in summer. And like the second you get back, Quenso throws her hands up into the air. God, she's such a fucking bitch about everything. Oh, uh, I don't like her. I'm very sorry. Like, you know, I, I, I understand that I'm just like some random human here, but also, I'm sorry. 
It's not your fault. It's not anything you did. It's literally something I did, though. I'll get over it. Listen, I'll go get to work, get my mind off of this. This. And I'll find a way to send you word once I actually have something for you to take back. Uh, of course. Dweer gives you a very powerful look and tells you it was a pleasure seeing you in a way that very much says, all right, leave now. Well, I was actually just going to offer to look after Grant so he doesn't have to do it, but... Uh... No, they're waiting for me to wake up so that way they can invite me to the woods. <laughs> for mischief. Yes, I'm... I'll take my leave. And I just fucking leave. <laughs> Those results will come to you at some point. Sure hope so. Uh, unbeknownst to Roxanne, things in that room are even more complicated than they appear to be. Because... Darn knows that Dweer is actually spring and that Quenso is actually summer. So <laughs> the true bitch allegiance should be reversed, but she <laughs> has to do things as they appear. So she doesn't actually want to be a colossal bitch to Quenso, but she has to because appearances. Wow, she what an ally. <laughs> she wants to be a huge bitch to Dweer. Dweer. Actually. <laughs> huh, okay. And Dweer doesn't want to have to be the reasonable one in the room. He just wants to tell Darn to fuck off forever. But... He is officially the Prince of Summer, and they're supposed to have cordial relationships. Huh. It's <laughs> fucked up, but true. I love just how much nested horseshit I have created for the Wilds by introducing this one thing. Yes, it's really good. So, Steiner, mm -hmm. what, besides training and being a scientist with your son and your lab buddies, what, what's, what other major stuff are you getting up to during this span? Well, I feel like we need to have, like, an actual, I know we have a basic plan, is go back, uh, figure out how to bind the worm again, do better at the Adel fight with foreknowledge. I know we have like that, but I want to put like the details out. Okay, so I presume you're just going to get everybody in on this. Yeah, may as well. Pool everybody's knowledge. Yep. Just gather everybody up in the 
Deadlands Palace, probably, because that's a good, like, contained area for everybody to talk. Okay, so actually, before I do this, I probably should talk to Malkovia, because I do want, I want a couple things in concrete, if they've got okay. this information yet. All right. So you can... I, I would assume that this would be happening, like, at, like, the three-quarters mark of the six-month span, so that, like... You, the, everybody has had a large enough time to like get stuff either squared away or mostly squared away, but it's not so close to the six months that you're like you're gonna have no time to change plans. Yeah, mostly yeah. just some right. things I'm curious about. Nothing that's really going to affect the plans too badly, but I just want to know some things that may or not have been discovered yet, but I'm going to check anyway. Okay. So yeah, you can get Roxanne to take you to Elysium. I assume I've been just, like, bouncing around everywhere. At some point, I need to learn how to, like, teleport myself to these places, even just through, you know, the usual chalk and line stuff. At some point. If you ever bring that up, Notcher will tell you that Elysium is specifically warded against any kind of entry other than the gates or teleporting the specific way angels do. Hmm. Right, anyway. So yeah, Nalkovia will... Well, one of them. There's... At, at this stage, there's like never any less than ten in the room at once, and... One of them will definitely come talk to you. And, like, Steiner has actual pen and paper for this. He's actually taking notes. Mm-hmm. So, I just want to clarify a few things. I don't know if you, you... You're still undergoing research. I don't know if you know these things yet, but I thought I would ask anyway. So, um, when we go back, is that going to create a new timeline or just overlap the existing one? So, I don't think with my current formulations it's going to split off a new timeline. I should be keeping you contiguous with the world line you've been experiencing. I could. That was my thought, but I wanted to be sure anyway. Um, so we know that we can specifically specify people who remember and don't. That's a thing. Um, so there's there's something to consider. I've been talking with Bright Eyes over here, and they tell me that Adel natively understands time magic and requires no assistance to execute it. I'm concerned that with the relative gap in our expertise and power levels, I won't be able to prevent Adel from remembering if I just do a straight rewind. So what are you proposing? She kind of motions at the cloud of other Naukovias in the room. Temporal displacement. I pick up the three of you. The four of us. I would have to come with you. And I put us at the date that you want. Well, that simplifies that matter, bypassing problems entirely. Makes sense. 
Now, there is the issue of convergence, of shuffling you back into yourself. I, I figured out that this problem would be a problem pretty early on, so I've been specifically preparing for this. I should be able to exempt the four of us from causality corrections. You know, you change the events of your past self, so the timeline would correct your present self. I should be able to exempt us from that. The problem is, is then, once we're finished, you, this version of you, still exists, while the other version of you that was successful also exists. And if we want to integrate those, that's really complicated, and it's going to take me a long time to figure out. So, been talking to Notcher. The best solution we have immediately is to put the three of you, the, the three of you that are here in this iteration of this world line, into stasis until I get it figured out. Even... Even more time? Uh, no, you... This will happen after. We'll be successful. Oh, we'll stop the worm. We'll, we'll have Adel be dead. Everything will happen. The, the good timeline, she makes air quotes, will progress. But once we achieve victory, you three will go to sleep. And that way you won't be forming more memories that I have to shuffle together. And I'll... It might take me a couple of decades to figure out how to converge all of you. I, I have the beginnings of the theory. I'm pretty confident that I can make it work. The difficulty is, and this is something personal for you all to deal with, is that because of the comparative level with with how many more experiences you are going to have or you, th this other successful version of you is going to have the the you that's in front of me now is going to be subsumed by the successful version of you hmm so that applies to all three of us? Yes. So, let me see if I'm saying this correctly. I, meaning the me here right now, will go back, perform the actions I need to, and then I will be in stasis, uh, while another diner of that specific timeline will still exist and still be doing things. And then once we are Converged, um, my self will be that just fully assimilated and effectively cease to exist. How else could I put this? Okay, so so imagine two vessels of water. One of them three times the volume of the other. 
the the one with the great volume is colored green and the one with the lesser volume is colored blue. You pour the blue into the green and mix until homogenous. What shade is it going to be? A blue shade of green. So will as we're the same person we'll just kind of mix like that. Technically I will still exist and that my memories that I make will still be there, but you'll you'll have all of the memories that you are making now on this failure timeline. You'll remember all of that. I don't know how you will experience having simultaneous memories. Mm. Uh, you know, how how you will remember February 2013 in two different ways simultaneously. I don't know how you're going to experience that, but you will. Any personality shifts that you've gone through during this failure span will likely either take a lesser, will likely have a lesser effect on the resultant merged personality just because the one that you are getting mixed into exists more because it exists longer. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to be in stasis for this to happen, but from the perspective of the alternate timeline set, will we just immediately remember the failure timeline? From the perspective of the other self, assuming that I get it right, the successful self will just... I mean, I assume that I'll introduce myself and say what's happening, and... I mean, hopefully you'll consent to this merger. But assuming you do, then you'll just suddenly gain half a year and change of alternate memories. Right, but from their perspective, it will be almost immediately after Adel, not decades later. So, so are you asking when I would do the merger? Yes, that's what I'm asking. <sighs> so I could. It would... So if I do it immediately on victory, then it'll be a more violent integration? Well, not immediately, maybe a couple months. So the... the here, here's the thing, is whichever one of you, either success you or failure you, has existed for longer will be the one that predominates. You'll, you'll shuffle together like a deck of cards, but one of the cards has to come up on top. And if one stack is bigger, the odds of that being on top is higher. Alright, so if you do it immediately, we come out on top. If you wait a couple years, my alternate self comes out on top. Yes. Hmm. I could, if you wanted, do some math and figure out exactly how long it's been between Adel's death and the 
point of success and then jump back to the point where those two times are exactly even? Leave it up to chance. I was going to ask that. How does that work with how time works in between the Deadlands and the Feywilds and Earth? I'm sure you can figure it out, though. Yes, the the Feywilds in particular are uh, temporally desynchronized from the Deadlands and Earth, so for Grant especially, who spends all his time there, I'll have to do some extra calculations, but it's doable. It will actually probably mean that you'll be integrated at different times. Hmm. So it would be effectively a coin flip with a which ends up on top. The thing, though, is I think, and I can't speak for my compatriots, but I believe I can offer what I believe would be the opinion, is that if we have to do this, we would all want to do this either one way or the other. I don't think we would appreciate one of us knowing and the other two not, or vice versa. Well, I can do it any which way. Right. Just tell me what you want. I'll make it happen. We'll discuss that when the all heal. It'll be easier. I'll, I'll tell them and we'll decide that. So, we'll get back to you. Sure. And another minor point of curiosity, getting away from all overlapping personalities thing. So, um, just curious about this one. Have you any evidence to whether or not this is the first time around, or is there any way to tell that that you can? If there's been a previous loop, then whoever did it cleaned it up undetectably good. Hmm. All right, this is this minor point of curiosity. Um. Alright, so I just wanted to clear some things up. Uh, I have some questions to ask them in addition to the questions I was already going to ask everyone. Leave that's everything I need. I'll let you get back to your work. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And I'll be here if you need to ask anything else. Right. You might expect uh, Roxanne to pop in and out. Uh, fairly. It, depending on what we have to discuss might be happening just a forewarning sure right and yeah head out convene everybody and this is everybody everybody right everybody 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 Everybody, right. everybody. So, all of the Ravens, the Sultans, Grant, Roxanne, Ashley, and Zachary, everybody loads up into the throne room. I feel like Gregory, even. Yeah, bring in Gregory, too. Or not having this conversation outside? Nah. Throne room's a good, like, meeting room. Place to make plans. Are the coven there? 
Do you want them to be? I don't know. I just you said everybody, everybody. So I was just like, are the coven there? If you want them to be, they can be. May as well have the coven, but it's going to depend on whether or not they feel comfortable just being right next to the sultans, given everything. This is their history. We'll say that if you do invite them in, it's going to be Margaret and Ursula, because they're the only ones who feel comfortable with that. Yeah. No, I just figure may as well make them part of this, since they are part of it in a couple different ways. Alright. So, Dr. Steiner, you have the floor. So I figured it was time to nail down a few things, set things in concrete, all those metaphors. Here's the things we do know about how this is going to work. Only the three of us, because of the nature of how this is going to work, are going back, along with Nakovia. Because we can't risk that Abel's knowledge of time travel, if we just rewind everything, would not be great enough that he would not just innately understand what has happened and plan accordingly. So that's a risk we have to Steiner? take. So, hmm? Steiner, when you say her name, by divine coincidence, Nelkovia and Notcher both appear in the room. Ah. This is a lot of people's first time ever meeting Notcher, I just realized now. (laughs) Yeah, no, this is just a... Nelkovia too, honestly. Just these two completely unknown figures appear in the room. However... There is a visible reaction from all of the sultans. It's one of recognition and, like, debilitating surprise. Cyrus almost falls off his throne. You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be in a crystal ball. You're supposed to be (laughs) stuck in some whack-ass crystal prison. How are you here? So as my speech is interrupted, like, ah, with, um, the steward of Elysium and Nalkovia herself, everyone. We believed that our collective presence would be useful for this meeting. Our personal knowledge of the multitudes of world lines and Nalkovia's expertise with temporal mechanics would likely be highly important here, we assume. Yeah, subject to me. Roxanne Notcher is gonna come stand next to you. I, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, it's not like I don't see Notcher all the time, but I do like a "Hey, nice seeing you" kind of thing. Hi, <laughs> sort of dad. Hello, second dad. Dad too. <laughs> Lesser dad. <laughs> Notcher motions to you, Steiner. So, picking up where you left off. So, in order to... Uh, let's see. Where did I... Uh, oh, yeah. So, the risk of... Um, Adel, uh, his mastery of time magic being larger than any of ours, uh, being able to remember and plan accordingly if we just do a straight rewind is too great, so only four of us are going back. The three... The two Harrisons, myself, and and now Kovia. She raises her hand. Like, 
ask a question or just as like, hey, I'm Nikovia. Hi, I'm now Kofia. Yeah. That's me, Pixie, Master of Time. As uh, as you like continue talking, Steiner, she settles in. She takes the watch off of her finger and grows it from its tiny ring size to like the size of a small saucer, and she sits on it like a weird floating chair. <laughs> Highly disrespectful, but I'm not going to stop her. Uh, so, none of you, if we do this right, will remember there's not going to be a convert separate timeline. It'll just overlap. To that end, we want to nail down anything we can think of that would be useful. So, number one, things that have to happen as they did. Uh, Grant, I believe, will still need to accept to show his fox and I in Idle's presence. That's the thing that has to happen, I think, we've established. It doesn't have to happen, but I wouldn't wish that what I had to do on anybody else, so... It's the easiest way. Yeah. Um, did we establish that the blood of the wounded has to... the wounded has to stay wounded for it to work? Yes. The... We no. What we establish is that the wounded has to stay wounded until the knife is finished forging. Okay, George, you will probably still get cut in half. No, no, wait, no. That contradicts another rule I set up because Grant has to stay the void until the battle's done. So oh, the wounded yes. actually does have to stay wounded until the battle's done. Do we want to stick with what happened? Is the um, with the wounded? George, I know that's quite a burden on you. You would have to stay wounded until the end of the battle. Right, and that would also mean Jack's out of the battle too. Mm-hmm. If we, we will have the watch, we should have more time in order to create so, a wounded. Yes, the alternate option is that we intentionally wound someone else in a minor extent. I'm not sure how doable that is, but someone- Emery just kind of smirks. I, uh, I mean, I, if, if we don't mind another 11th hour forging, if we have more time, I, um, I, I don't mind a repeat performance. Right, but that was a little bit down on the wire. If during the first encounter, which again is going to have to happen, if we can angle someone to get maybe just nicked instead of cut in half, it would be a lot more reasonable to deal with. And again, if it comes to it, we can do another 11th hour. We have that knowledge, we know what can be done. Right. What else has to happen? Like all of the, depending on how far back we're going, you know, all of the fights and the hunts, maybe we can tweak some of the fights. The main problem is that we can't have me knowing any of the uh, shit until I get Adol out of my head. Until you get voided. Yep. Until I get become the vo until I become the void. There's nothing we can do to change it. <laughs> so, or I until I become the void, I can't know any of this. Otherwise, uh, Adol will know. To that end, can Mr. Harrison be placed back later than the rest, than 
Roxanne and myself, is that an option? Or do we have to all be at the same time? No, I can... I can put you all where you want to go. Or, I can put you all when you want to go. Are you intending to interact with your past selves much? There's only one big one that I can think of involving, well, you, (laughs) the watch, gestures broadly. Uh, Kind of one of the big linchpins of this. So, I, I could give you a rundown of the time like between when I stole it we, we could just eliminate that whole thing actually I suppose so we could cause, cause I I'll know myself I can tell I can tell me things about myself that will validate my existence and even back then I know what time magic feels like. I'll know that it's me from the future. And I can convince myself to do things. So we can, you you never have to kill me. We never have to fight. You never even have to know I exist in that timeline. Mm -hmm. At least, at least until the end. The, we have to get you the watch. Well, no. I guess you don't even have to know about the watch if you don't want yourself to, because I can just get that iteration of it, get it to Notcher, and then, and then Roxanne, there is the very familiar sensation of a hand being placed on your shoulder from an angle where there definitely wasn't anybody standing and Cam leans in next to your head and then just pass it off to me, right? I give Cam a hug. (laughs) Hey, sis. Ah, good to see you, Cam. Good to see you too, boss. Hey, Cam. Grant. (sighs) (laughs) Nice. I just interacted with Grant, like, not at all, basically. Yeah, yeah. They, they have no relationship. So that does actually raise some questions about um, specific monster encounters and fights that we had to go through. What can be changed though about those? I'm not sure if a lot needs to be changed, but let's see. The train one, Grant lost your arm. You lost a hand there. It's really impactful. That hand has 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 kind of been important to you grant i think yeah i kind of need to keep the hand because uh i think at some point during the fight with adol i would have literally died if i did not have those claws ashley like stands up a little bit straighter raises one finger i don't think there's a whole lot you could skip exactly because I still need to meet all of you because of... And she, like, there is the briefest glance at Zachary uh, before she turns back. My specific role in the final fight, you all have to get on the DHEA's radar enough to necessitate my arrival in Southern California. Right. That's a good point, too. That's why we're here. We're talking about these things. No speed of running. 
Yeah, and also, you know, it kind of got better at all of this from all of the things we've been through, so I'm not keen on changing too much that doesn't need to be changed. Yeah. No thought occurs. Um, no, we can't. I don't imagine we can do this. I leave it to your expertise, though, Grant. If we just make you with the void early, is that an option? I mean, I don't want to do it too early, because if we do it too early, then I don't. Then Amalia forgets me, and that is 100% unacceptable. Right, I'm just trying to put, like, the option is... We go at separate times, we end up at different... I could go out back farther, I have resources available to me even without the ravens, so I could start setting things up back then. Uh, Roxanne and I could just pop at the same time, but if we all go at the same time, it limits us to after you became the void. So if we could push that up, that would put the three of us together I mean, I'm I'm not opposed to becoming the void earlier. I just don't want to do it so early that Amalia isn't there to reestablish a link with me. Hey, I'm sorry, I'm confused about something here. This is like in and out of character. Mm-hmm. Why do why does Grant limit how? Because when Adol is in my mind, he knows everything I know. And so, if I know this time travel plan, he's going to be able to plan plan around it. Right, but you're already the Void, so as long as past Grant doesn't know anything, it's fine. Yeah, I did ask, to what extent are you all planning on interacting with your past selves? Because if the answer is not at all, you could bring Grant, she points at the one in the room, back at the same time as all of the rest of you. True. If we don't interact with myself, then it doesn't really matter too much. How much do you need to interact with your past selves in order to do this? So if we if we just cut out needing to stopping you from using the watch and picking out time magic, then I don't think we really need to do it basically at all, because the only thing that we really needed to interact with someone directly was the watch. Here's a bit of a question. How good do we think we're going to be at hiding from ourselves? On the one hand, we're idiots. On the other hand, we are idiots. (laughs) Well... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we could just hang out in Elysium during the times that we don't need to interact with stuff. I also um, have alternate... Uh, lesser safe houses in Southern California. Uh, we we didn't wind up having t- to use them uh, at all because there was no point. Once they turned to look at Ashley, you you figured out where we lived. I I I just assumed you would find us immediately if we went to one of the lesser ones. You all could live there. I could give you the addresses. Okay. Right. All right. So we avoid all contact with ourselves. Well, I imagine worst case scenario, I would be up 
as long as I don't talk, would not be recognizable. I could pretend to be a mute angel or something if I, if I have it if, if it comes to that. And on the void, I'll for oh, I know because you guys have established. You recognize Never mind. yourself. Nope. <laughs> Wouldn't I? I mean, do you have I object mean, permanence? My... Are you smarter than a toddler? <laughs> my 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 point was that you would forget that I even existed, but uh, then I remembered that you all actually do still have established bonds with me, so that wouldn't actually work. Yep. Yeah, weird. Uh, basically, better safe than sorry. So we're operating under the radar. If someone needs to be seen, I'm the best option for it. And brings to the question of part two. I mean, we can go back to part one of what needs to happen is What's the best information? I'm sorry. Before we move on, Edwin, I did have a thought. Of course, go ahead. Given that my memory can exist as physical media, would it be prudent to take a recording and give it to my past self? Hmm. Given that you know when you are in and out of your laboratory and you still possess all of the security codes, you could get in. I would be able to compartmentalize these experiences, split off a fractured self, as with Gregory's Phi and Kappa, to handle that information. It would chiefly allow me to devote myself to things beyond solving the code, as I will already have all of the answers and I would be able to present them in a natural way. That could be a very, very useful option, yes. Nakovia, any objections? No, no, we could definitely do that, as bringing in inert physical objects would not complicate my spellcraft at all. Right, so we'll do that. We'll have all of the knife riddles solved. And just available, well, not available, but through free up processing power. And let's see. I will be able to come up with a convincing lie for understanding the nature of the wounded. And therefore, we will not have to guess at it. Would be helpful, yes. Uh, let's see. So we now have that as an option. Is we can bring physical information back for Gregory to disperse at a time. Uh, we could even set the time for when it is needed. So that's another option. Uh, which brings us about to point two. What are the most useful things we could do? So one is we need to learn how the worm was found. Uh, as much as I respect the folks who did it the first time, they did a shit job of leaving any notes. There's some, like, wry smiles and, like, obnoxious frowns about the room. Melissa comments, Yes, the legacy of colonialism tends not to leave room for those kinds of things. Fair point. Still, though, I imagine when we do it, we'll want to leave extensive documentation so that it's a problem that can be solved instead of just being kicked down the road. Hmm. 
So, now Kofi is speaking up. So we'll have to go back, ask them how they either did it or are going to do it. Well, we'll, well, we'll have to figure out whatever spell it is, and then whatever notes you all take, I can take that back into 2012. Take that forward into 2012. Right, well, the ghosts are still kicking around. At least they were still kicking around California. And imagine we... I think Grant's plan was to just ask them. Yeah, just ask them. Okay. And if none of them know, we can go back to the source. We'll figure that out. But that's number one most important priority is deal with the worm. At least know how to deal with the worm. I don't think we are capable of killing it, but we can certainly find it again. It's been done once, it can be done again. I mean, considering what it's made from, I'm not even sure it's technically alive. Hmm. It might be more accurate to say you'd have to disassemble it. But that is option B, possibly. If we can figure that one out, we'll do that, but rebinding is our best bet, seemingly. Mm. Osmond calls down from up on top of the throne. We should consider disabling it permanently to be the end goal. Even if we do not have the solution for that ready by the time the bindings need to be reapplied. We do not wish for this to be a sword of Damocles hanging above all of humanity for as long as it exists. Right. If we can do that, but my priority is going to be stopping it from being unleashed immediately. If we can do that and then destroy it completely, that's that's gravy. Just Emery, like, thinking out loud. Okay, so besides the worm, um, we just need to make the battle easier on us so we have um, more time to, to, to actually reapply the bindings. Right, Roxanne, you were mentioning something about um, just solving the angel problem entirely? Ah, uh, yes. It feels really awkward talking about this while... Uh, you're standing right here. I look over at Otter. Um, so I've been working with uh, one of the witches in the coven who knows a lot about self-magic, Agnes, to sort of learn how to destroy connections between things to stop Adel from commanding all of the first generation angels. And the, the solution we hit upon together was that I would have to forcibly infiltrate the inner space of a motion to Nodger again, the blind air, and using their connection to all of the first generation angels and Adol, work the magic from within, which they, of course, would be obligated to stop me doing. Yes, that is something we would not be able to help. 
So it's risky, but if we if it can be pulled off, it would make the final fight significantly easier. Yeah, and the other thing I'm working on is um a way to capture the energy that Adel violently explodes into. I figure it's probably better that we all don't have to endure that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd rather and not. Certain promises have been made. Yes, yes. No, that um, that all that has been earmarked for reasons. There's some wry smiles between Emery, Magpie, and Deja as they were the only other ones caught in the explosion besides the three of you and magpie comments yeah i uh i don't think it would be great if we all just got laid the fuck out at the end and were unable to reapply the bindings because we got blown up at the finish line yeah especially considering uh i don't know how it went for you but it completely disabled Grant. Now, to that end, I was going to mention, um, I appreciate that you're working on this yourself, but you don't have to capture all of this energy in one entity. Uh, once we're back there, I can regain my research on the mana batteries and bring some of those along. Uh, hopefully, I will have enough time to even improve their efficiency. So, not all of the energy has to go into one work. I'm not even sure. What um, avenue were you exploring? I think we discussed a tulpa? I... I've got... Uh, I've asked the princess of... Spring? Saying that in that cadence for myself. The princess of Spring for help in creating blueprints for a creature that could do that. And I... There are materials from uh, the fall court involved, considering uh, it involves both of them. I thought it was the best option. All right. Well, again, if you're trying to capture it all in one creature, again, we can just divide it to make it easier. So it doesn't have to be all on one point of failure. Right, but this is probably going to be the most significant source of energy we get. And, you know, there are promises and contracts that if I can't get this workable, this is all useless. No, I'm saying that we can use different methods to diversify our capture. We don't have to put it on just one point. Sure, yeah, if we've got time. And, I mean, I don't know how involved I'm going to be in the actual creation, so I guess I, if I've got the time, I'm going to have to maybe look into some other avenues and everyone else can help as much as they want. I already had the methods to siphon the excess mana that was given off during the forging of the knives, and now that I know it's going to happen when uh, Adel ceases, I can just have myself bring some of those. Yeah, that might be uh, that might be an option. Well, we'll we'll call them backups. Yes, I'd rather have multiple points of failure than just one. 
No, you're right. Uh, and let's see what else. Um, with the benefit of hindsight and less being panicky about the end of the world, considering that it's just past, we can explore avenues that we may not have thought of beforehand. To that end, um, I believe we met a particular wizard at one point, and we never thought to call on him regarding the end of the world. Who? Merlin. We met Merlin. Oh, we did meet Merlin, didn't we? Yeah. So, we don't actually have, like, the ability to contact him directly? Um, it's, we, we, we could like, you know, Emery would have to call Seymour and Seymour would have to like get the specific blessing of Poe and then we send it over to Gawain and Gawain would talk to Merlin. The only reason we got Merlin so easily is because like this was a prophecy that we got a couple of years in advance and it was and she like gives half a glance at Cyrus going to rot part of the living world maybe forever so he wanted to get involved it's possible it will just require some legwork from us well good news is we also have a prophecy about the end of the world <laughs> I'm saying it's worth a shot. I mean, this is any resources that we can think of that we didn't call on for just not remembering them or being difficult. We will have an extra, from our perspective, however many months to act on these. The issue, Melissa speaking up, will be if any of these involve people maneuvering them if you don't want your current selves interacting with your past selves if you have other people you want to call in and you don't want them to communicate this to your past selves i actually a thought occurs what if it doesn't have to be people Go on. We have right here an entity that can just send angels to deliver messages. If you can bring us into the loop, we believe we would be able to compartmentalize it, yes. The issue will be making everyone believe these mysterious messengers' words without proper priming. Yes, that's again something we're here today to do just to try to sit down and hash out. If you give us a sufficient amount of time to plan, we could figure out a way to do it. You would likely need to make proper contact with us prior to 2012. Hmm. Well, time is one thing that we are going to have a lot of, theoretically at least. Yeah, I can easily send us well before that if we want it. I, technically, I don't need to eat, to eat or drink. I can... Hmm, I 
could exist for quite a while, if need be, but put that on the back burner. That sounds unpleasant. Is there... And I'm uh, addressing, like, Melissa with this. I don't suppose there would be any sort of specific phrasing or way to say that, that Merlin would react to? I don't suppose you know any of that. I am not imagine you're familiar with him particularly. No, we've never actually interacted with each other. We simply put it on faith that he would recognize the threat presented by the situation would act on it properly. And then Arthur from up on his throne speaks up. I can think of a few things you could tell him that would move him into action. Oh, right. Um, I did sort of forget you're there. You're, you kind of sing to the background when you don't say anything. It's weird. Has anyone ever told you that? Like, some of you, not all of you, but some of you just kind of have that happen to you. No true knight forces their presence upon the people around them. When they are wanted, they are present. Yes, if we could signal Merlin that there is a major catastrophe coming down the pipeline. I can think of a few comparative statements that you could make that would rouse him. Perhaps a few names you could invoke that would make him understand the gravity of the situation. Right, that would be quite useful. Uh, let's see, so Merlin is a powerful entity that we could call on. Uh, Grant, I understand that um, you went to go meet with um, with uh, Director Arius the other day. It's, Anything fruitful yeah. from that? I am in the room, he says. <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> uh, I, I go, well, why don't I let Director Arius explain it? And he does. Arius, <laughs> take the floor. I did not feel Tell me either. early. Let me know what's going on. I was fucking keep quiet. If someone I trust tell, tells me to keep fucking quiet. Good enough. So we would have to get that message to Ashley. Ashley would have to believe it and then pass it on to your father. And then that we have to do. We have to find a way to convince. Emery to trust Ashley earlier. So, Emery, what is the easiest way to convince the you of then to let Ashley into the loop as soon as I wanted to? They fold their arms and give a long sigh. They tell you to come back to them. They'll think about it. All right. Thumbs up. DHA working on problem earlier. Any other grant you already? We had your organization working. Yeah, I. Well, they. I mean, they kind of just said two guys. I. I don't want to tell them any earlier because if I do they'll see it as a problem that needs to be solved and go anyway. I don't think I have the pull to convince them to not go early. Right. Um, can anyone else think of anyone or any group or organization that would be particularly helpful that we could 
with foreknowledge bring into the fold earlier? Or to begin with? Hmm. Melissa speaks up. I do think we want to avoid hitting a sort of critical mass of participation. Fair enough. There's going to be the issue of if we bring in too many people. It is good, Director Arius's suggestion of having a group stay outside to rest, but if we stack up an army of 500 people that's going to bring outside attention that may compromise our operation. Fair point. There's also the issue of a critical mass of resources. We may find ourselves in the grips of option paralysis if we are presented with an infinite number of spells and weapons to unleash. Fair point, but this um, if Roxanne can remove the angels from the fight, then again, we really don't need much more firepower than we already have, but Merlin would be probably especially helpful in dealing with the worm, for sake. For sake. Yes, his casting capabilities would certainly shorten the amount of time and lessen the amount of difficulty he would have reapplying its bindings. So we don't necessarily need more firepower, but more resources would be as well welcome. Yeah. He could also help me, like, with that direct link to teleport that I was working on, and because that way we can send people up and down to as we need to. Also putting a stop to the teleportation, Zachary speaks up. Yes. That too. Um, Grant, actually, um, sort of taking a step back on the 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 subject of your order. Um, you know, if if it's if it's just going to be Adel, um, Lay, I don't think Lay would be useful. Throwing out attacks that size at a single target where we're all crowded around would cause a lot of problems. If you could spend more time getting to, to know their personnel. Um, you could maybe request someone in particular who would be good for um, either fighting Adel specifically solo or uh, getting the bindings up. Okay, yeah. Oh, actually speaking of that, that's another thing that just occurred to me. I just remembered. Uh, we know how Adel's sword works now, then we know how we block it now. That knowledge would be ex especially useful. Yes, foreknowledge of how to block the aspect of true death will be exceptionally useful. Other thing, put the self-destruct mechanism in my first arm. <laughs> I'm not sure how I could convince myself to do that, but... Your weapon denied him later. You know, speaking of weapons... Oh, okay, speaking of equipment, how about that? I know that it was brought up that we don't need more uh, feet on the ground, but I wonder if maybe we had 
somebody or some bodies that were skilled in making things. Like, if we were more protected than we were, or uh, more able to resist certain effects, because I was working on that at that part in the lead up, but I feel like maybe, you know, more hands, light work, that kind of thing. Warding against the uh, the voice specifically would be useful. Oh well, yeah, and also I don't know how durable every member of the Ravens is. We believe that with extra time, we should be able to further your proficiency in true speech. And after a certain threshold is reached of your expertise, we believe you should be able to work alongside the craftsmen of the Fall Court's workshop to more permanently imbue armor or any sort of wearable item with useful properties. That could work. That could definitely work. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got the time. Right, so that's going on the list. So we've got bringing a couple more useful hands. Not all of the hands, just a couple that would be really useful. Learn how to rebind the worm, and if possible, kill it, but bare minimum, rebind it so that it does not start fucking everything up. Stop the angels. Stop the teleporting. Get everybody gear that can block Adel's sword. Uh, make sure the things that need to happen, happen. Bring Gregory's memories back in form of physical media, or at least portion, you know, important things so that he can devote more processing power to not having to solve the riddle. What else was there? The two things Roxanne's working on. Right. Tulpa, batteries, deal that, deal with that. Uh, the matter of how far back we're actually going. Theoretically, I could go back decades, but I don't want to do that because that sounds real boring and lonely. <laughs> also, that kind of complicates the matter of uh, having to be rejoined with your other self and whatever. Yeah, it does. That's going to be a thing we talk about and like not in front of everyone. Can anyone else think of anything that would be useful to have and know or do? I mean, I'm probably... I don't like this option, but... If I have the information and I bring it to you in advance, saying this to Notcher, would it be possible to repair two uh, vessels to store both of the other me's in? I'm still not keen on killing them, and I like another shot at that. Yes, that would be more than possible. If we could narrow it down to just Adel as much as possible. Another project. With enough forewarning, we could absolutely make that happen. Oh, fantastic. Um, I did want to bring this up. Just so we have it. Um, 
when we go back into the past, uh, is there any way we could just kind of smooth things out between the coven and the sultans? So that they don't have to live in hiding? All of the sultans look at each other, and then they look down at Margaret and Ursula, who are in the room, and they all look at each other again. And there's like obviously some disagreements happening up on the thrones where all of the sultans are. And it's Cyrus who answers your question. There is an order to things. And it is our place to enforce the order of things. Without great cause, we cannot defy the order of things that we were put in place to enforce. And I am sorry, but personal feelings do not make great causes. Margaret was instrumental in the forging of the knives. As was, I mean, this is a little post hoc, but Agnes has been instrumental in getting us to this point as well. With Grant becoming the void and my plans right now. Don't have to be friends, but maybe don't actively hunt them? We could perhaps reach an understanding. However, that would be upon you to make this case in the new timeline. <laughs> I'm going to take the chance right this second. You know what, since we're going back in time anyway. Uh-huh. What if we make it a, a trade? You've got three of your number, at least at any one time, covering holes in space. What if somebody made that problem go away? What it, would that be worth? Ah, fuck it, we're going back in time anyway. Whatever. Would that be worth... I don't know. Give the Coven another chance at life, maybe. There's a lot of uncomfortable shifting up on the throne. Several of the Sultans look at Notcher as like a, Hey, hey, you're the one who like gave us this job. How do we respond to this question? <laughs> <laughs> Dad? What do we do, Dad? <laughs> and Notcher just like looks up at all of them, just like completely impassive face, as if to say, I gave you this job. Figure it out. Do your job. Don't come crying to the manager when you get a difficult question. But that's what I do. <laughs> Dad, we got a moral quandary. Dad. Uh, th there's a lot of like quick hushed conversations and eventually Cyrus answers you if you could close all three rifts that would be something you could reasonably ask to settle the debt Well, it's something I needed to do anyway, so, or at least one of them. 
suppose theoretically if you can close one, you can close them all. Mm. But, uh, that's for after all this. Right, yeah, yeah. Yep. Close these rifts that existed for millennia. Sure. I mean, we've routinely done the impossible before. We'll just add it to the list. Two of them have only been there for a few decades. Hmm. Hey, Steiner, have you ever wanted to go to Chernobyl? Actually, <laughs> sort of. It's a fascinate. It's a minor fascination of mine. Cool. Then you have something to look forward to after all this, other than not being dead. I don't know how this is. Work. <laughs> I should probably do that while I still have the you know body that isn't made of flesh that can be destroyed by radiation. So as the planning kind of winds down, you're, you're sort of reaching like, okay, we've got everything figured out and we're just kind of like going over this checklist over and over and over. A, a person you all weren't even aware was in the room and maybe she wasn't until just now speaks up from well outside of the circle, like back towards the entrance of the room. Amalia speaks up. I have a question, by the way, if we're all winding down right now. Rat, that's your girlfriend. I, I, I expect she was addressing everybody, but, uh, like, yes, Malia? She walks up so she can be a part of the group properly. I, so maybe there's some things that I don't understand here about the setup for this entire scenario, but... If you're going back in time anyways, why can't you just make all of this not happen in the first place? How exactly do you mean? You, you mean kill, kill Adel before he makes the worm? Adel back then is mind-bogglingly more powerful than he is now, and he was already quite a difficult fight. Uh, on the other hand, if technically, okay, wait, no, this is a point of, uh, if I, I am theoretically immortal, I go back, I convince, technically, this could be solved by showing Mesa the good side of humanity, but that would be going back quite a ways. In theory, I could just go back and do that and begin stasis until present day, but I don't even know if that's possible, just on myself. While that would technically be possible, we would find it highly inadvisable. The uh -huh. issue is that as much as we wish it did not have to happen, Mesa's death it was the facilitating action for much of the history of all three worlds. Without Mesa's death, we do not come to exist. Elysium does not come to exist, which means that the Sultans of the Deadlands never come to exist. And additionally, the Quartz and Earth never make contact with each other. 
Mesa must die in order for all of these things to come to pass. That's very... I wish it didn't have to be that way, but... There's a specific word that I'm thinking of that I can't remember. I don't suppose, like... Oh, what am I suggesting here? At the very least, we could get their blood before they're a ghost? That would be a long, long time to go back and... I mean, they would know why we wanted it, so I know that would work. And Adel back then is ex extremely powerful and we could never possibly defeat him then. We barely defeat him now. A random human shows up. Hey, can I have some of your blood to kill the person you love? What a stupid idea. God, that's it. What precisely were you asking? I was just wondering if this whole thing could be diffused without a fight. You're all planning super great, but I can't help but think that even if this goes perfect, someone's going to die. And I only know two people in this room well, to any degree, but I imagine if any of you died, it would hurt those two people, and I'd rather not have that happen. So, so you know, I'm, I'm not a warrior, I'm not a great spellcaster, I have, well, I, I have skin in this game in so far as I die if you lose, but I can't participate in it, but I can't help but wish you didn't have to fight in the first place, if you could just disarm this without ever having to come to blows. Well, we have tried talking him down, but the unfortunate matter is this was all set in motion long before any of us existed. Okay, but why? Why does he want to kill all of you? I haven't I haven't been uh, briefed here. Oh, yeah, he, um... His partner basically saw the worst of humanity without ever seeing the good side, and they were put in stasis and weren't allowed to be woken back up until all of humanity was dead. It was, to my understanding, it was debilitating to the point where they died from all of these visions. Yeah, yeah. So, it's vengeance quote-unquote, on the part of Adel, and I imagine... I don't know how much experience you have with these things, but talking down someone like that is difficult at the best of times. As much as I want to, I don't... I... This partner I could talk Adel down, though, right? The issue is that the partner is being, well, they're already dead, but their soul is being contained in Elysium, and that's the only point, only place that they can exist without simply dispersing? Is, is that the right word? If we may interject, we were there when all of this was created. We have a very thorough understanding of the situation. Adel knew that they would be able to restore Mesa. And they, like, catch themselves and explain. Adel's partner, 
Meza, to life. However, doing so would be pointless as the visions, the prophecies would not leave them even after revival. Also, visions persisted after death. The entire time Meza was a ghost, a soul, upon the cleansing planes, they continued to suffer the visions. The point of the stasis was to hold them comfortably until the extermination of humanity was complete, at which point they could be safely awakened and then revived. I was going to ask, did if Adel, I was going to say if Adel couldn't stop the visions, but did Adel even try to stop the visions? Yes, a great amount of time and effort was put into attempting to stop the problem at its source. Uh. We understand that you do not have any fondness for them, but Adel did not come to the answer of genocide lightly. They sought other avenues first, thousands of other avenues. They could not find an answer. What? Was anything they didn't, any avenue they didn't try? Or? We are, sorry, we are not more intelligent than Adel. Our spellcraft does not even compare to them at their height. If uh, they could not find the answer then, it is highly likely that we would not be able to stumble upon it for yet further millennia. Well, just spitballing, but maybe they were only attacking the problem from one side. Maybe if the visions were coming from humanity, maybe attacking, maybe working on this side would be a better plan. Better way. We do not understand. Well, I mean, if we're the source, then presumably it has to be like there's a connection, right? There has to be, there's an input and output. What if Adel was only working at the output? If you are speaking of attempting to decouple Mesa from humanity, that was an avenue that Adel pursued to no luck. Right. But maybe his perspective was, well, his perspective is that of a different species. Perhaps we, if we worked on it, we'd see a different band. Perhaps. There is always the possibility that you will consider something none of us ever have. When we have a saying, two heads are better than one, I guess. <sighs> I mean, it's possible, because when we woke them up, we were able to show them the good parts of humanity. How did we do that exactly? We just pumped. I just thought really hard at them, honestly, like the, the good things in my life. I didn't make you roll for it because it did not feel thematically appropriate to leave it up to luck, but you guys essentially established a psychic connection and pushed your memories into Maze's head. So maybe if we can't sever the connection, maybe we can at least change it so that they're not getting nothing but the bad parts? Perhaps there's some sort of emotion magic. I was literally fucking just thinking that, actually. I 
I created a new kind, at least I think a new kind of magic during the fight with Adel. Maybe that would help. Like I said, we've done all this work, but honestly, if we could just fix the problem at its source and be done with all of this, I'd be... Yeah, if we, if we can just, like, not have to do any of the fighting and not have to worry about any of that, that would be we'll fire that. We'll fire that one under hope for the best, prepare for the worst. If it's a thing that we're going to have to do, then we're going to have to do it before we make the knife. Right. Yeah. So, attempt to fix whatever the problem is. If that can be done, then the whole fight idle thing is moot. Yeah. I mean, like, if we solve it that way, then we don't have to kill Adol or do the energy capture. I, I... So... Here's the quandary we have now. We divide our efforts and potentially ruin both ideas. Or we put all of our eggs into one basket. Uh, either or. We put all of our effort into either solution. We can either put all our resources into fixing this problem or putting all our resources into fighting Adel. We know we can defeat Adel, but we don't know if we can even fix this solution. And theoretically, we can just go back and try again. In theory, but I would like to not have to do that. But... You no, know, Steiner, I'm going to be real honest. I'm so fucking tired of fighting. I would like the solution to just be sit down and talk just once. Honestly, I agree with you. If we could solve this problem without violence, I'd prefer that option. Do we put all our eggs in the hope basket, or put all our eggs in the guaranteed violence basket? We know the violence will work, but it's more fighting and... Now Kovia speaks up. If worse comes to worst... You have technically infinite tries so long as I still exist and have the watch. There you go. I vote that we try to fix the problem at its source. Yes. I mean, I know we're it's just us three going back, but like... I feel like everyone else's input should be important here. The resounding answer from the entire rest of the California conglomerate is that if this can be solved without death, that is the preferable solution. You know, everybody in the room has... Okay, let's not sugarcoat it. Nobody in the room likes Adel, but that's because everybody in the room only knows them as a source of unfathomable violence and the genocide of humanity but if this is one fight that they don't have to wade into if they can just reclaim the entire year and not have to ever worry about this they're willing to let those feelings go again i 
I don't ever think it was particularly personal up until the last few moments, but I sympathize with with them. So I'm, again, all for trying to solve this by fixing it. Yep. I'm, I'm saying fix it. I... I think I'm the only one here that ever really got to spend a lot of, um... Well, okay, let me rephrase that here. I think I'm the only one that ever got to, like, ever have any... pleasant conversations with Adol. They're... not... They're not all terrible, like, yeah, there isn't, there's this unfathomably old ruler part to them, but there's this, I don't know, interesting person to talk to under all of that. And if we can, you know, fix them ridiculously old tragedy, then I'm for it too, so. I believe that settles it. First attempt is devoted to solving the problem, if at all possible. Yeah, I mean, sure, some nigh-godlike figure put all of their effort into doing it, but none of us are near-godlike figures. We've got, you know, we're all human, more or less. We've got perspective. It was primarily a human problem, and we sort of... sort of fixed it a little bit. We jiggled the cable, so to speak. So, we devote the resources previously that were going to be spent towards fighting him, towards fixing his partner's problem. And we pray that that's enough reason to stand down. So that does bring up a couple of questions of when do we even begin trying this? Well, hmm, um. Do we just go to him and say, hi, we're going, but we can't tell him that we're from the future because then if we do mess up, we might not get another chance, so we have to finagle. We're gonna to have to finagle our passes. Can I interrupt you real quick, though? Mm-hmm. Are you talking about going? We're talking about going back to like 2012 and then fixing it. I think is the idea here, rather than like going back all the way to the beginning, just because like that would change so much about time. About like right. how the world. We establish that we can't fix it there because. It needs to happen, but we can fix it now, and then they can be unsealed. The issue is that how do we even go about beginning this? Because we can't, again, just rock up to Adel and say, Hi, we're from the future, we're going to try and fix... No. You know, hi, we're just miserable little humans, we're going to try and fix a problem we spent thousands of years solving, so we need to do this... covertly... We need to do this without... We either need to finagle our past selves into doing this instead of trying to fight, or we need to do this on the down low. Um, I... I have a thought. Um... 
and they snap and point at Notcher. You, you are the one who was giving um, Roxanne orders the whole time, right? In a matter of speaking, yes, that was primarily us. So, um, could could you, if if you knew what was happening, if if they had the solution lined up, could you redirect Roxanne to approach this differently? If if the if the fighting never has to happen, uh, you could just tell her to do things different and if she believed you then you know she she follows your orders and we don't go into it a, a, a expecting a fight um, then it's do do we ever have to tell Adel we're doing this until it's already done? Can't, can't we just lead with bringing their partner into the tunnel? I suppose. That seems like it would work to me. The only thing is that if we do that, then there's no, uh, there's no camp. And I'm, I'm a little bit attached, I'm gonna admit. Well, shucks, don't I feel special? Uh, then you just have to bring... Well, if we're just talking about changing your orders, and you're not going to shortcut all the fights that you do, you can still collect all the stuff what makes me. We can keep everything up on track until the moment you bring in Mesa to the big guy. Sure. I mean, those things all... Barring... And a notable exception, every fight we've been in has been necessary. Well, actually, I just had a thought. If our plan is to solve this problem, we can go back potentially much farther and still work on this. The issue would be where we would stay there. But I know of two particular wizards living out in the California desert who need to go away and have a nice little lab set up already. <laughs> yeah, but Cutler's gonna notice if we off his two henchmen. Cutler needs to go away as well. And we already know how to beat him. I mean, yeah, I guess nothing really necessary changes if Silas Cutler gets axed. And we have a base of operations. Yeah, fuck Silas Cutler. Yeah, fuck Silas Cutler. From up on the throne, <laughs> from up on one of the thrones, fucking Montezuma calls down, indeed, fuck Silas Cutler. The number of monstrosities that his victims have spawned, his in particular, their nature and quantity. I would not be opposed to him dying significantly earlier than he did. So we're all in agreement here. Fuck Silas Cutler. Fuck Silas Cutler. We go back. The eyes have it. A couple of years, we take out the two wizards and Silas. We set up a base of operations We don't operations even need to take there. out the two wizards. 
we don't even need to take out the two wizards. If we take out Silas, he doesn't even get to. Oh wait, no, no, no. no the their other lab. Two. Okay, their I, lab the is old, very old, secure and safe yeah, the, and high. The older. I was thinking. I was thinking of the younger ones in the. Um, in I figure the, if we take out college. everybody else, the other, the younger ones just like panic and. Yeah. Yeah. Heck, maybe you take out Cutler before he even gets to the two of them, and they just never become involved in that awful project. So we do that. We have a safe space to hide away from everyone for as long as we need. We can get in and out easily enough. We can get supplies in there. We can work on the problem for, theoretically, for, for years. I can just keep loop, looping us back and... I don't know. We can figure out a way to mess with space so that you're not constantly interacting with past selves. These two age. Right. You're both still alive and human. <laughs> I mean, there's, no nece- there's not necessarily proof that I age. Well, we don't want to operate on that. I assume I don't age. Being... I age very slowly, but I would also like to not age for this particular go around. There's also, and now Kovia gives you Steiner a very meaningful look, a couple of particular issues with uh, having you do it like that. Ah, right. Uh, the three of us are going to have this discussion about this, but... So... We'll do that in private. Uh, is this a thing I need to be worried about? Well, it's sort of... It's technically not anything that needs to be hidden, so I suppose I can just... I, there's no reason for me to keep this from anyone else, I think. It's just an issue of... See, the longer we go back, um, we have to be merged with... Uh, the victorious cells, we'll call them. And the longer we're there, the... How it's going to work, is my understanding, is that our consciousness will kind of mix, and the ones that have been around longer will win. So, if we're there significantly longer, we'll overplace... Overplace is perhaps not the worst word, but be the dominant personalities. And if we're there at exactly the right time, it's a coin flip. And if we're there less than the victorious selves, their personalities will overlap. Again, I want to stress my understanding is this is not the death of any anyone. This is just our two beings merge. We are already the same people. It's just one of us, one of those groups is going to have more experience, more life. And that one would become the dominant personality. It's less that, and this is now Kovia, you'll be the dominant personality and more like the way that you think now, your experiences, your emotions will take greater precedent. Right, that's what I'm trying to say, just not very good at it. Appreciate that. Does this... So I think I sort of understand why the whys of this, because, you know, there's only so much space in 
our lives for ourselves, let alone two of ourselves. I mean, you can't have, like, say, two Grants and one Amalia. I don't know how into that she would be. Uh, <laughs> she pointedly does not comment. <laughs> I don't know how into that idea Grant would be either. But does this have to happen? Do we have to? I mean, if you don't want it to happen, no, it technically doesn't. There's the issue that because you are from a world line that doesn't exist anymore, you are technically at risk of ceasing to exist? Or, no. See, if I did my job right, you would continue to exist normally in perpetuity, but you would have to make sure... God, how can I put this? Because you are from a line that no longer exists... So, so, so long... Uh, up until the point that you're victorious, all of this, she gestures at the universe, can still possibly happen. So you will, even though I am pulling you out of causality, you would still technically work within its framework. Once this line becomes impossible, then you become impossible. And if you start influencing the events of the world, you risk unseating the world line. How, God, if I could just talk straight mechanics, this would make so much more sense. It's, it's so difficult talking. You're with just metaphor. saying you're just saying that it can't, that it is not ideal that it happens this way. You're saying that yeah. if we stick around as our present selves rather than there being being merged as it is, then it's possible, but it's dangerous unless you live a life of absolutely no consequence from that point forward. And personally, that's not life at all. Well, I'm definitely not planning that, so I guess it has to happen. So Right, if you're planning on closing the rifts between Earth and the Deadlands, then that's highly consequential, and you risk unseating the timeline. How can I Okay, so like like think about this. Think about like so so imagine a deep river, alright? Uh-huh. Like the riverbed is really low below where the bank of the river is, right? Yeah. And, and the water's flowing. The water is our world line. It's the timeline. Now, imagine what would happen if the riverbanks just spontaneously ceased to exist. I think I understand now, yes. It becomes a swamp. The, the way the water would spread out and become flat and flow, the, the flow would slow down like, all of that, if you translate that metaphorically into how time works, that's what happens if you start having major influences on the course of history as someone completely unbound from causality. So if we don't get merged, Shrek will live in us. <laughs> Shut up. Somebody no. once told me the world was gonna roll me. So yeah, it's not good to have it happen. 
Okay, okay, okay. So what you're saying is we do have a definite time frame. We can't just go back in time forever. Mm, no, it's if we spend more time in the past, basically the you that is you now will be the prevalent person, whereas if we spend less time, the you that is then will be the prevalent person. It's a question of who you want to be. Do you want to be you back then, or do you want to be the you now? You had said that there would be, that no one would be dying, but if the difference is too great, it's, it would be reasonable to consider it a death of a self. I don't think that's a decision that I'm that I can make personally. I don't think that's like fair to this other Roxanne who is theoretically just me. Right, which is why it would be good to have the 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 size, the quantity of your experiences be as close as possible so that this merger would have the least amount of effect on both of you when you were combined. So we don't do this uh, in... We don't do this 40 years in the past. Sure. But we could do this, like, maybe three years in the past. I think that's still too long. One year in the... Well, okay. <laughs> I so don't know uh, the exact... I, again, we can just put you into storage afterwards and let it catch up. It'll be a stranger experience on integration if we leave the... if the, the farther in the past the divergent point was. But... it'll be less violent. Less likely to cause a death. So, theoretically, yes, we could go back 40 years and work on it, but... We'd have to go into storage when we're done working on it, so there's no point. What we can do is go back, take care of the three astral wizards, set up shop in the lab, get to work, do our thing, and then make sure that our timeline divergence is as little as possible after that. We're just gonna have to try and solve this as fast as possible, I guess. And hope we have Speed to do as run little saving re the world. <laughs> We're just gonna have to do this in as little tries as possible. I think is the. Uh... We can still, I think, get like Merlin on this. Have him to help. Um, I mean, this is still. We still have resources for this, but this is an entirely new problem that we're going to solve. And we have no idea how even to begin, but we have sort of an idea. I mean, I guess all that practicing of self-magic wasn't uh, entirely useless, probably. We have a very thorough understanding of what Adel tried and failed with. We can at least give you a very complete catalog of things that do not work. That'll be good. We can put that in the data we bring back with Gregory and then have a split off in this secondary lab once we take that. If we take care of Cutler early, that was a couple of weeks out of my life uh, during the home stretch, I think. Hmm. I don't think there's going to be any particularly large ramifications 
other than Cutler is just gone and not turning people into monstrosities anymore. And we'll have the two wizards' base, we'll have the laboratory that we can work on. We'll have to, um... God, there's going to be bodies to clean up. That's unpleasant, actually. I say we're just going to have to try it. I think it's worth... Yeah. It's not ideal to me, but if the option is I have to disappear myself in any capacity to me versus making sure none of the people here who are dead end up dead again, and there is a Roxanne out there who doesn't have to deal with all of this, then it's worth a shot. So rather than deliberating on everything that could go wrong, why don't we spend our time figuring out how we're going to do that? Because we still have time to plan, don't we? Until now Kobe is ready with the watch. So we can reconvene in a bit. Um, oh, actually, now that I just, something you just said, something you just said, Roxanne, made me think about this. Um, the, the rest of the Ravens, so a couple of your fights in between the first Adel meeting and the last went pretty badly. Is there any information you'd like to pass on to yourselves? There's a lot of like, you know, chatter and conversation of, yeah, there's definitely some things we would like to tell our past selves to prevent some huge problems. And that's a thing you could hand to Gregory. So, right around the six-month mark, Notcher calls all of you into Elysium, and now Kovia looks very proud of herself. She tells you all that she's got it all figured out, and she can jump you to the whatever moment you want. She just needs to know when, and you'll all get there. Do we have a decision at least on what year we're going back to? How about that? It has to be the same year, I think. I don't think that's necessarily... The longer we stay in stasis, I think the worse the combining is. No, I think the stasis is what makes the combining even bearable. I mean, the stasis is to prevent us from experiencing too much and overriding ourselves. Right. It, It just makes it weird. If the... If the divergent point is, like, really far back, it's just, like, it's gonna be weird to have it be so far back, but it's not gonna make it worse. Exactly. If we're trying to minimize uh, the time we're around and then going into stasis as soon as we're done anyway, I don't see why we'd want to go back, like, years. So the beginning of of 2012 seems reasonable. I thought it'd be fun to go back to like 2011, but yeah, 2012. Didn't we have like a year and a half? Didn't we? No, it was 2012. Yeah, I guess the beginning's a good place to start. (laughs) Like all good stories, ours starts at the beginning. You're going to jump back to just New Year's Day? 
You're gonna jump back to the 4th, which was the day that all of this actually started. Uh, I like the thematic uh, idea of starting on the 1st. Yes. Okay. Gives you a few days lag time before all of your past selves meet each other in case there's anything you want to get done in that window. We go, we go take the lab. We set up shop there. We have a few days where we don't have to, well, Grant doesn't have to worry about this, where we don't have to run about it, worry about running into Emery or anything and being their confusion about that. And we have as little chance to fuck this up as possible. Well, like... Right on, right on. I don't look anything like I do then, but Roxanne looks more like themselves, I think. Yeah. And I don't think I can turn into Monster Roxanne anymore, so yeah. Still not, no. Yeah. Okay, so. New Year's Day. So there's one final exchange. Now you all you all have had like a, a week or two at this point to say your final goodbyes. Grant Amalia reiterated that if there's a yep. way to have her remember all this shit she wants it yep i she is welcome to come along into the remembering this shit happening train uh (laughs) all right how now kovia says she'll figure it out okay just write yourself a note she believes that between her and notcher they should be able to retrieve this world line in some capacity for her eventually they've got time but um they've got all the time in the world (laughs) but with all the goodbyes said and all the plans made and the date chosen Roxanne Notcher is like they're kind of like looking weirdly like twitchy like they they want to do something or say something before you leave, but they can't figure out what. I just look at them and I'm just like, look, this is the last chance you're probably going to get to do this. So look, whatever you got to say, whatever you want to do, do you want a hug? <laughs> like, it's fine. Just go for it. Don't let the moment pass. No. No, we believe that we should let it pass. Our our successful self will say what needs to be said that we cannot. Okay. Maybe you think that's fair to you, but do you think that's fair to me? If we explained it in full, it would compromise you. So we will just say that we hurt you greatly because we were a coward. We took the option that was sure, despite how cruel it was. And We should not have. You're right. You shouldn't have. 
but like I said before, I forgive you, okay? It's... You have had a lot on your shoulders. Like, I don't think I could blame you for making a decision that was cruel just because it was the surest way to save all of everyone. So, before all of this is gone, it's okay. And I give Notcher a hug. The hug you get back is very unsure of itself. It's fine. Probably mostly because they don't actually know how to do this well. <laughs> Thank you. I'll see you on the other side. In one way or another. Be well, Roxanne. You too. Alright, this is weird for all of the rest of us, so I'm just gonna jump us. Okay. Let's go. Everyone else said goodbye to their sort of family. Well, actual family beforehand, Roxanne. I don't see what makes you special. Let's just go before I start crying. Now, Kovia kicks the watch like she's starting a motorcycle. <laughs> and it spins in the air and flips open, and the world is filled with perfectly measured ticks and then the world begins to go simultaneously monochromatic and see-through transfers to white slowly and then all at once it snaps into pure white and now Kovia has a look on her face that's like partway between confusion and blind panic. Wait, where are we going to end up? Wait, what the fuck is... And... Good sign. She... fragments. She turns into like a series of small rectangles that then get sucked in a line off to your collective left. Um. And as you turn to look at it, so you're, you are in a space that is so pure white that you cannot tell the size of it. It might be the size of a large room, it might be infinitely large, it's impossible to tell. But maybe a yard or two away, there is a table. Large mahogany, six chairs, and two of them are occupied. Well, it, it may be technically incorrect to say one of them is occupied because now, Kovia is floating a couple of feet above it, 
laying back on the watch, her hands behind her head, just reclining on it. One leg crossed over the other, the knees, foot just kind of idly kicking. Is this supposed... is this supposed to happen? But the other is sitting in the middle seat and is definitely sitting. And it's a figure you've not ever seen before. They're very human-shaped, at least. You know, head, neck, torso, two arms, presumably two legs, although, you know, table. Can't exactly see it. Their skin is this kind of almost pallid blue, and they, they have hair that's short and a, a very, very light blue, and it has a kind of like side part undercut, swoop to the side kind of deal. And without a word, they do the, do the one finger, come here, come here kind of motion. Mm, yeah, right. Um, hello? Move in, I take a seat, I guess. Yeah, same. Sitting down. Hi. Hello. Hello. I am sure that you have many, many questions. Yeah, I've got two. What the fuck and what the fuck? They they hold up one hand as, as like a forestall your questions kind of motion. In the interest of saving time, I have prepared a quick audiovisual presentation that will answer a number of your questions quickly and efficiently in order to facilitate a more productive conversation. And they extend their right hand, palm up, and a little, like, lens almost seems to open up in it, and then up shines a projected hologram of a kind of rectangular movie screen, kind of dealy. It's, it's outlined in this sort of... Uh, like blue sort of circuitry thing that matches them. I realize I didn't like describe their body besides its general shape. They are a, a very like dark blue below, like from the neck down, but there's stripes of a kind of neon green along like their collarbones and their joints and a, like hips outlining a couple of muscles that are faintly reminiscent of circuitry, but not quite. But the, the image pops up, and it's, there, there's about a two-beat before it activates. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, An exceptionally odd occurrence in which you are all rickrolled by the person across the table from you. I Joke's on you, I like this song. I'm confused, to say the least. 
No, of course this is where my day fucking goes. Of course this is what was gonna fucking happen to me when I woke up today. Go back in time, save the world, get fucking Rickrolled! Of course! And that's where I'm calling it. <laughs> Lord. How dare you? Uh... End of campaign. That was all they wanted to do. It was just one long <laughs> Rickroll joke. Fucking two years of setup for a Rickroll. <sighs> okay. So. End of session. <laughs> Yeah? 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 We, uh, yeah. we have successfully traveled back in time, so I'm going have to we? call that progress. I don't think that well, was made clear. <laughs> you have successfully done a time travel in some yeah, capacity. We, we went back to 2006, apparently. <laughs> so the time jump happened. To the exact degree that it is successful, it is unclear, but you will be finding out, and that'll be soon. But I'm willing to call it enough that I answer yes on, you have completed the current mystery, or whatever the fuck it was. Yo. I'd say there's an even bigger mystery now. <laughs> um, I don't think anybody was saved from certain death or worse. Nope. Not yet. Did we learn anything new and important about either the world or the hunters? God exists. Uh, <laughs> I think we've learned some interesting things about time travel. God exists and he enjoys rickrolling people. You say, you say he. True. God exists and they enjoy rickrolling people. To be fair, if I was God, <laughs> I would also roll people. <laughs> To rickroll people, you must first invent the universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Right. So Listen to temporary secretary. I'll call it two yeses, which means everybody gets an experience point. All right. Okay. I pulled up. Uh, you got so mad that you got rickrolled that you leveled up. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, I opened this session by telling everybody this will probably go really fast because like the things I have planned for you are just going to be quickly presented in montage. It'll and you know then we'll just get to your guys' stuff and it'll go real quick. Uh, Ennui timer says five hours eighteen minutes. I'm Jesus sleepy. Christ. Fuck my entire life. You're the one who has to edit this fucking nonsense. So whatever. I I know. Fuck my entire life. Ah. Uh, Good session, though. Uh, was it? A lot of good talk. Yes. Yes, it was. The last 30 seconds notwithstanding. No, fuck was, you, uh, I like that song, it's great. <laughs> it is a good song. Joke's on anyone who Rick's roll me, Rick rolls me, like, I I will sit there and I will listen to this song. It's not my favorite Rick Astley song, but it's Look, a very good song. You know what the, you know what the fun thing is? The, the selection of Rick Roll is not arbitrary. Rack your brains, players and listeners. Is Who else has been involved with Rick rolling in this campaign? 
Gregory? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is this the is this the fucking Gregory superconscious? Did I make a time <laughs> baby? Did I give? Uh, did I create the time child? All will be explained next time. Yeah, you'd fucking night better. <laughs> we. Good night, everybody. I can't believe anyone listens to this shit. <laughs> <laughs>